You know what I just watched? Return of the Jedi. What did you like better? Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back? Empire. Blasphemy. All, all Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. There was something else going on in Jedi. I never noticed it till today. They build another Death Star, right? Yeah. Now, the first one was completed and fully operational before the Rebels destroyed it. Luke blew it up. Give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I'll bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. And not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Indeed. Why, hello, it is seven minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of April, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. And good morning to you. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Monday, and uh, welcome to day 12. It is April 20th, 2009, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, thank you for uh, joining us today. It's uh, 503-733-2970 if you would like to be part of today's program. Telephonically speaking, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you would like to weigh in with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, or whatever it is uh, you might have. Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about whatever might be on your brain today. It's 503 733 2970 on this Monday morning, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at 9... Yeah, damn it. That's what I get for trying to do two things at yeah, once. Yeah, but, you, but the, I know why it's confusing you, because the phone number is still 2970, so you keep saying that number over and over again. And also, I was trying to fix this thing with my ballpoint pen while I was speaking. Some people... You wear I, your pens. I myself can actually walk and chew gum at the same time. I cannot apparently speak and screw on the tip of this ballpoint pen simultaneously. I'll put that down. It's uh, Sarah with an H at KUFO.com, Tim at KUFO.com, or at Nibbler at uh, KUFO.com. Uh, coming up today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City. Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Uh, we will have part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of uh, Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame. 
uh, today. Uh, those guys were in town last night uh, for the Unwigged and Unplugged tour. It was uh, Michael McKeon, uh, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer. So we have uh, part one of our three-part Harry Shearer interview today. Uh, we have uh, part of our Queensryche interview that we conducted on Saturday when they did the exclusive performance uh, before their show at the Roseland and a special live performance. We've got uh, that from them today as well. Let's see what else. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Penis Watch coming up today. We'll do the uh, recap of the weekend box office. Going to be giving away a copy of American Swing on DVD. Uh, take a walk on the wilder side of New York City in the 70s with a... Greg, I'm going to adjust these copy points. These are... <laughs> it seems like you can either uh, describe this American Swing DVD as being a long look, or you can describe it as being a hard look. It seems like we're probably not going to do both of those uh, back-to-back. All right. Well, it is, however, a no-holds-barred exploration of the meaning of sex, available now on DVD from Magnolia Home Entertainment. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else is coming up today? Uh, I have a terrible song, courtesy of the Microsoft Corporation. Uh, and it's not that, that songsmith uh, sing into the microphone and the music plays a long infomercial thing that's been floating around. This is something altogether new. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, and uh, later on today, we will... Uh, We'll follow up on some of the things uh, that we uh, that we were talking about on Friday that we didn't really bring a total conclusion to, uh, including uh, the Pacific Northwest uh, ridicule chart. So we discussed that on... I hate missing a day of the show. See, now you're totally behind. <laughs> I know. All right. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday. A mentally challenged man is holding a flight crew hostage in Jamaica. Temperatures going to reach 80 degrees here in the metro area today. A popular Portland radio personality passes away. Careless smoking leaves several Vancouver apartment dwellers without an apartment. New York City may soon treat fast food like pornography by banning it within certain areas of schools. The Bank of America posted unexpected first quarter profit. CIA interrogators waterboarded one prisoner 183 times and two 266 times. A man bites a python that wrapped its coil around him and was pulling him up a tree. Well, all right then. It's 503-733-2970. The fast food thing isn't here, right? No, New York. limitations? All right. Well, that's just New York, Tim. What happens there? I don't truck with no uh, no business that happens in New York City. They water by the board of a guy 183 times. And two for 266 times. Is he a terror suspect or an actual terrorist? Uh, a terror suspect. So we don't even... Really? Well, they're just practicing for the real ones. <laughs> I was going to say it's a dry run, Tim, but that's probably not true. <laughs> Waterboard. Yeah. Oh, God. Does it seem to... Look, I'm no scientist or anything. I uh, the Rick Emerson is not a... Uh... Well, they didn't get the information they wanted the other 182 times. Well, I was going to say... the other 265 times. That was sort of going to be my observation is after you've water- waterboarded somebody like, I don't know, let's say 114 times... You say that he's probably not only not a terrorist, but probably isn't even a suspect at that point. I mean, really, how many... What do you suppose the magic number was that they were going to go to? Is there some sort of Jerry Lewis-like tote board that they were waiting? Such unpatriotic talk. Yeah, I know. I know. And can I... Look, let me just further the unpatriotic talk by saying something else that we're all thinking of. What was the first guy waterboard? 180... 183 times. 183 times. Are you almost... Two for 266. But, I mean, don't you almost want to go, like... Congra- well done. Congratulations. I mean, I couldn't stand being waterboarded 183 times. I mean, you're almost you're almost sort of impressed with that. So, uh, well, congratulations to you, uh, anonymous uh, waterboardee, whoever you might be. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and returning Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm happy to be back. How was your weekend? 
It was fun. Spent it in uh, Seattle and Bremerton. My sister, you know, she lives in New York, so she was up uh, visiting from Thursday, and she's leaving tomorrow, but she's still in Bremerton, but I went and visited her. Excellent. And it was great. Had um, lots of merriment and drank lots of um, malt liquor. And went to a show with her, had her window smashed in in Bremerton. It's a very classy place. So malt liquor and window smashing and Bremerton all at once. All at once. It was the best weekend ever. Hot dog. It actually was the best weekend ever because we ended up going to some, you know, some trashy show on um, Friday night in Bremerton. It was like, um, you know, like Bremerton Follies. Bremerton. <laughs> it's oh so classy. And uh, yeah, so we're leaving there and like everyone's like throwing beer on each other and it's gross, but kind of funny. <laughs> and so um, we're going of- to the taste of Bremerton. We'll be back later. So, yeah, so Heather, yeah, so Heather and I are like standing in the back trying to get beer thrown, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. It was a interesting people watching. And then one of our friends is leaving. They're like, hey, by the way, I just drove by your truck. I'm about ninety five percent sure that yeah. your windows smashed out. Remember that glass you used to have in your and, vehicle? And the crap thing was about it that um, they didn't. It wasn't anyone breaking into or anything. It's just someone threw a rock through our window. They were just bored. Yeah, that was really nice. It was a cold ride home. The end. <laughs> the end. Life but, in these United States. It was. And then yesterday was spent bike riding and um, hanging out in the park. And then, um, yeah, it was just a, a wonderful, magical weekend. Did I see it. that you purchased a BlackBerry? I did. Well done. I don't even know what to do with it. Tim, look at Is that a BlackBerry? Uh, what is it, a curve? Oh, that's nice. It's a BlackBerry curve. Yeah, I wanted the curve because the other one didn't come with a camera. Yeah, isn't that thing fantastic? It is amazing. Yeah. I can't even believe no, how ridiculous it is. What do you do with it? Uh, you it can do everything, internets. Tim. You it, you can do anything. It's yeah. it's freaky. Yeah, the BlackBerry is the best phone I've ever owned in my life. Uh, and it, which is the service charge prohibitive? I'm sorry. Isn't the service charge prohibitive? Yeah, but the cost of everything is prohibitive. I mean, no, this really. Is like, I won't say my provider, but um, so I got my I was ready for my um, my contract was up. So I only paid like fifty bucks for this, and um, so for unlimited internet and text messaging per month, it's like twenty five bucks. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's ri- it's ridiculous. I'm like, and it's already been so beneficial. And the I think it was Louis C.K. who was doing a routine the other day where he was talking about how uh, humans, and especially Americans at this point, are just so completely unappreciative of the magic of technology. Because he was he was talking about how he was sitting he was sitting on a plane or somebody was flying from one place to another, and the guy in the plane next to him was complaining about something or other. He was complaining about how like I don't know like the like the like the picture quality on the in-flight movie on the airplane wasn't quite up to par. And he goes, you know, you realize you're sitting in a magical chair that's 35,000 feet above the earth and you're flying at 1,000 miles an hour, right? You mean you do? And that's and it's the same thing with the BlackBerry, where it's like people, you know, if people will talk about their cell phones, be like, I don't know, this web page is taking forever to load. You know, and he pointed out that maybe you want to give it a second since it's going to space and back. <laughs> so it's the idea that for like 25 bucks a month, you can access anything on planet Earth with a little tiny device that's in your hand, basically a tricorder from Star Trek, is uh, like pretty it, fantastic. It's linked up like within like five minutes. I have yeah. it linked up to my Facebook page, my MySpace page, my email. Like I have Googles on there so I can like look up anything I want. So my sister and I, when we were riding the ferry from Bremerton to Seattle on Saturday, just sat and watched uh, YouTube videos. On the BlackBerry, yeah. and just you know, pass the time like that. No big deal. It you was... have that uh, Twitter application for that thing yet? Oh, Sneed, I Sneed and passed me a Twitter application for the BlackBerry. Oh, you know I don't you know if I it. can commit that much. So, so I guess it's <laughs> if you're on the go and you want to access uh, your MyFace page. Well, if you need your yes. MyFace page, my, your my, there ought to be like a MyFace or Face Face My. 
space, space, space. No, never mind. Forget it. All right. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, very quickly here, we should say thank you to everybody uh, who uh, came to the Queensryche live performance uh, on Saturday. So we were giving away tickets to that all last week. And uh, everybody was, it was a fantastic time. The band was very cool. They did a small little private set. And they played Silent Lucidity, right? Which we're going to play later on oh, today, actually. So cool. we, have a, uh, we have an exclusive recording of a live acoustic performance of Silent Lucidity. We'll play that later on today, as well as uh, some interview uh, segments with the band. And then we will play the Harry Shearer, part one of the Harry Shearer interview uh, later on uh, today. We're going to do it today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. But we got to uh, say uh, thanks to that guy and thanks to Susan Reynolds and Chris Paddock, who coordinated she- uh, Harry Shearer being here yesterday. So Harry Shearer, of course, Derek Smalls of Spinal Tap fame. I mean, he's one of those guys that you just... you. Uh, the number of things that Harry Shearer has done that have impacted our lives, the number of projects with which he has been involved that have affected us, is just staggering. I mean, he's just done everything on earth. I mean, he's a, you know he's an author. He was, of course, a famed radio personality way back when, back in the early days of like KMET. He was there. Uh, and a member of Spinal Tap, and he's like every single voice that you've ever heard on The Simpsons. I mean, you're just sitting there across uh, the, you know the desk from him. And you're saying to yourself, like, what? How? And you can't let yourself even think about it too much, because otherwise you fall into this weird rabbit hole of just, you know, gazing into your own navel about how strange it is that you're sitting in a room with a guy who's had such a huge uh, impact on not just my life, but but everybody's lives. So anyway, so it was a great interview. Uh, the entire thing will be up on the website uh, later on this week. But today we'll be playing part one of the three-part interview. Uh, with Harry Shearer. So, uh, more observations to make. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, please give your attention to the one and only Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, all the victims of Friday night's collapse of a children's route at the Puyallup Spring Fair have been released from area hospitals. Five kids went adult went to the hospital after I'd call the lolly swing fell on its slide or side. A fair spokesman said the ride passed a safety inspection. Investigators say uh, the soggy ground under the ride may have contributed to it falling over with all the children. Yes, I'm just. I'm sorry. I was supposed to being horrified by that because those this this was not at a permanent fairground, right? This was like a yeah, Puyallup days Puyallup, or uh, Spring Fair at the Tetanus Fest or whatever it is, where they get all the uh, the crusty ass uh, rides off a trailer truck mm-hmm. on their way from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. So uh, those kids are going to need some psychiatric help for the rest of their lives after that. I like the idea, by the way, they didn't anticipate because and, and I'm and really I mean this sincerely. That's kind of one of the things you wouldn't see coming because you could think about nuts and bolts coming loose. or You think about uh, threads getting stripped out or maybe ropes breaking. You don't really think about the just the ground itself giving way underneath a ride. That's the thing. Falling into a sinkhole. Or that weird, that mystery cesspool or whatever it is that appeared it is somewhere in Portland where the girl just had fell into a sewer <gasps> oh, or something. Thing, she was playing yeah. a baseball. That was yeah. no good. I that just, was no good. Tim Riley. Well, after a spring of nothing but a mix of rain, cool weather, and clouds, Portlanders will see a warm-up today, and it could stick around for a little while. Forecasters say temperatures could exceed 80 degrees today, stay warm and dry for the next several days as well. This is a, a high-pressure system of sunny skies. It's going to be dry and warm for a change, so that is a good thing. Les Saranoff, the 60-year-old radio personality and voice of Kink FM's morning show for decades, died over the weekend after a battle with cancer. Saranoff served as morning host of Kink FM for 22 years and had been a familiar voice on the air in Portland ever since he began his career on KGON in 1974. A careless smoker caused an apartment fire that left several Vancouver residents homeless. 
They were called to the two-alarm fire at the Ashley Terrace Apartments at 9.30. Crews were able to contain the fire to three apartments in the 15-unit building. It caused $300,000 worth of damage, displacing nine people. Apparently, it was due to careless smoking. See, I have a question about that. We were talking about that e-cig or whatever it is the other day, that cigarette that cost $70 that you didn't actually put on any smoker. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent me an email that said that they use one of those. And I'm going to see if they can come by the studio so I can sort of, uh, so right. I can examine it. Well, I'm fa- I'm fascinated by it. The fact that it's, because, here, and you just reminded me of this when you're talking about uh, this apartment fire where it burned down, I don't know, they made a bunch of people homeless in Vancouver. Don't you think by now they should have just designed a cigarette that goes out if you don't draw on it like once a minute or something? Maybe it should be like standard issue in some apartment buildings. They should not I mean they, do you think the cigarettes should be sort of I mean they are just fill it with asbestos or something. There ought to be they I I don't know why they haven't created a safety cigarette that requires attention. You know sort of like a screensaver kind of a thing. You know where if you don't drag on the cigarette you know at least once every 45 seconds then it just it just it goes out because what always happens mm-hmm. is I'm not saying that's the case here, but in, in many instances, it's just some jackass that is smoking, it gets blind drunk, and then they fall asleep, and then poof, and the whole place just goes up. So it seems like they ought to have some sort of a technology as a firewall, you'll forgive the pun, against that. So Hulk Hogan is defending his comments that he was kind of like O.J., but being good by not being O.J., by not... Uh... He's a better version of O.J. Yes. Yeah. So he wants to clarify his comments, just so... There is no more confusion, so here he is. You know, there's that male instinct that you'd love to get him in the ring. I could have even went out and been like O.J. Simpson, but I chose not to. I chose to take the high road. I'm doing great, and that's what the article was was all about, was how am I putting up with all this craziness? The writer asked me, oh, my gosh, didn't you ever want to flip out? Didn't you ever want to do the Hulk Hogan like in the ring? I said, of course. What a guy. So he's taking the high road. Really? Is that what it takes to be respectable in America, that you don't go cut off your ex-wife's head with a knife? Well done, Hulk. You're a, you're an inspiration to us all. Naturally, the ex-wife is afraid. I've been afraid of him for a long time. He's just so unpredictable. I just need to stay away from him. Are you going to, like, perhaps place a restraining order against him? Um, I think my lawyer has something to that effect in the works, yes. Are you going to perhaps be calling from the inside of a bowling machine somewhere? All right. Let's do uh, one more, and then on the other side, we will uh, have Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. A passing motorist may have saved the life of a Fort Myers, Florida man who was attacked by a swarm of bees in his backyard. Where was that, Tim? Florida. Yeah. Ah, That was all all you. (laughs) He was just mowing his lawn when he bumped into a hive. Almost instantly, he was being attacked by thousands of bees protecting their home. A passing motorist noticed the man flailing his arms, running around like a madman, falling to the ground. So he stopped his car and got out and helped. Water from a garden hose scared off most of the bees, but not before they stung the unidentified victim several hundred times. Experts have removed the bees, but the homeowner said he's afraid to go out in his yard. All right, then. Well, they'll be back. They always are. It's 503-733-2970. Straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City, after which we will have more from Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on today, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian, part one of our three-part Harry Shearer interview and an exclusive live performance by Queensryche. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Excellent. It's the Rick Emerson Show, and there is no better way than to start the morning with the Ramones, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Unless that is, we are welcoming the Kastenbaum to the program. Also a fantastic way to start uh, a broadcast. Hello, sir. How are you on this Monday morning? And wait, wait, no, hello. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. No one can hear anything. 
That's great. Let's try this. Steve, how might you be today? Mute is the answer. That's great. Really. To shreds, you say. Have we not taken anyone on That's the phone wonderful. yet? That's wonderful. I don't know. Let's see here. Hold on. Wait. Oh, yeah. See, look. All right. We can hear it. All right. Let's try this again. Steve Kastenbaum? Yeah, there I am. All right. There we go. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm confused and uh, I'd be smirched. I don't know what's going on on this end of things. That's right. We'll uh, we'll fix all of this uh, later on. How was your weekend? Satisfying in every way? It was. Uh, actually, I must apologize. I think it was my fault that I wasn't there when you first uh, uh-huh. started Jacques! All right. Yes. By the way, I have to point out, Sarah got a Blackberry over the weekend. She's already compulsively cleaning the screen. I just saw you doing that, like, like blowing on it and then wiping it on your shirt. Well, now you have me worried that I'm going to scratch it. Here's, here's the only reason I bring it up uh, is is because when I got my Blackberry the first time, and it wasn't actually me, it was this way when I when I took it. I just got like a, 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 a bum one somehow. I took it out, and there had there was a small scratch on the screen when I took it out of the box. And I immediately took it back, and I'm like, it was this way when I took it out of the box. I, I can't, you know, you, you, can you swap it out because I can't live with this? Because <laughs> it was just such a beautiful, uh, crystal clear display that the idea that it was going to be scratched somehow was just horrifying to me. So mm-hmm. I was telling Sarah, the first thing I did with my BlackBerry then is uh, I went and I got a protective screen put on the front of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's just, it's the thing you start to uh, to obsess over otherwise. so You know, they sort of have that on Subway's windows here now in New York because... Uh, you know, graffiti uh, had had sort of died off because they they came up with these you know subway cars, this this sort of metal you know interior wall that that the spray paint doesn't stick to. It sort of just runs. Right. So now they use like etching the the uh, the acid that you can use to etch into glass. You know, if you want to make designs, and they do graffiti that way. They etch into the glass windows with that stuff. So they came up with the plastic uh, protection that literally sticks right onto the window. And then if anybody etches into that, they just peel it off and put on a new layer. Yeah, some, I heard about that, but I, I was wondering, like, how are they just carrying around, like, vials of acid with them? You know what they do? They take uh, the, like, a, sort of like a white magic marker, and they dip it into the etching, um, uh, the, to the acid, uh, into the little container. And then they start, you know, writing their graffiti on, on the glass. And so it sort of burns into the glass. Wow. You know, you almost, I mean, it, you know, clearly graffiti is wrong and one should not deface public property. But it's almost, it's almost impressive in a strange way. Like you almost want to, you want to admire like the sort of forethought of actually taking the time to leave the house with acid and glass etching materials. So. Who was the first guy who did that? That's what I wanted. I don't know. But see, I think about that the way I think about guys who are, you know, it's like when you go to the public bathroom or whatever and there's a guy who's created some really uh, scatological but very very detailed and complex graffiti with a magic marker. And you think, like, what, you know, does he have, like, a pocket protector full of those things that he leaves the house with, house with every day just on the, uh, you know, like, on the off chance he's actually going to be at a truck stop somewhere and needs to write something? Right. Um, just real quickly, I know everybody's kind of under the gun today schedule-wise, but uh, so the the crew and the, the captain of this uh, this ship that got commandeered by pirates or whatever, so those guys are... So they're back and they're, and they're home. It's got to be a pretty unnerving experience if you're those guys that you're kind of out just doing your, you know, you're just down your, you're out there doing your regular gig, and then suddenly you know a bunch of, bunch of guys appear off the starboard bow with machine guns or whatever. Yeah, uh, Captain Richard Phillips returned home to Vermont on Friday, late Friday afternoon, and he received a hero's welcome, but he said he's not a hero. I am just a bit part in this story. I'm a small part. I'm a seaman doing the best he can, like all the other seamen out there. The, the, the first that people I want to thank are the SEALs, they're the superheroes, they're the Titans, they're the impossible men doing an impossible job, and they did the impossible with me. 
You know, he may be from Vermont, but he sounds like a Gloucester fisherman. Oh, is, that does not sound like a, what a guy from Vermont sounds like in the in my imagination. So he sounds like you know the Gloucester fisherman from uh, the movie The Perfect Storm. Yes, yes, he does. And final uh, question: Donald Trump was I don't know running his mouth the other day about how the answer to piracy is that we need to have guns. But don't they, didn't the actual pirates? It was something they had like rocket propelled grenades or something insane. Yeah, and then there have been some more incidents over the weekend where pirates have been thwarted by uh, Navy vessels, uh, both American and uh, other nations. Uh, and uh, the people who, uh, who are against putting armed guards on these ships say, you know, you're, you're going to elevate the stakes here. If we, if we go on the ships now with uh, automatic machine guns and, uh, you know, fire at these uh, pirates, they're going to come back with uh, heavier weapons because, you know, let's face it, they've been doing this for five years now. They've amassed uh, tens of millions of dollars, so they have the money with which to buy heavier weapons on the black market. So they're saying, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword if you, if you put these armed guards on the ship. You know, military recruiting is down right now. I know they're kind of struggling to get some people into the armed forces. The Navy really ought to be running some sort of a, you know, a recruitment ad that, that just that pushes the angle of going out and battling pirates. I mean, I yeah, think that I would, you know, that would help to recruit young people. So Definitely. All right, my friend. Enjoy your day. We will uh, speak with you soon. Take care. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Excellent. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning. 1,600 GM employees will lose their jobs over the next few days. CIA interrogators waterboarded one prisoner 183 times and then 266 times for two. A new reality show about pirates is now in production. The father of one of the Slumdog stars tries to sell his daughter after failing to cash in on the movie's success. Not so for Zach Efron's dad. His movie made over $24 million at the box office over the weekend. Straight ahead news with Tim Riley. Later on, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. We will talk to Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. And part one of our three-part Harry Shearer interview coming up later on. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Monday morning. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Monday morning, 503-733-2970. Coming up later, we have this terrible song uh, from the Microsoft Corporation, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that we will get to today. Several people sent that to me uh, over the weekend. Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, penis watch that really has to be considered one of the most disturbing things we've ever uh, had. Really, I mean, I heard really, you say the title of it. I'm not looking forward to. I that. mean, they really, it's all in the headline. But uh, so we'll get to that uh, part one of our three part interview with Harry Shearer, who sat in the, the chair where Tim Riley is now sitting. Harry Shearer was in that chair yesterday. Tim, oh, I swapped the chair. Should I bring the other one back? Well, I'm just saying the magic probably is all on the microphone, as you know. Uh, it probably lingers right there. So there's uh, Harry Shearer's uh, aura that persists right That's there. That's pretty cool. See, even talking about him, I start to turn into James Lipton. Uh, tell me, if you would, about Mr. Burns. Uh, so Harry Shearer, part one of the three-part interview today. And uh, we'll play back some of the exclusive live performance that Queensryche did on Saturday uh, for KUFO uh, winners uh, before their show at the Roseland, including a live performance of Silent Lucidity. So that is all on the way. At the news desk, this is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Well, it's going to be hot where you are. Temperatures are going to hit 80 degrees. It'll be a new record. Here's the, here's the reason Get why those that... air conditioners are ready, especially See, those of you who have to go to bed early. There's two things I was going to say. Here's why that irritates me, this news. One, because I feel like, and I know this is like the way after the horses left the barn or whatever, but I feel like we never really got... This will sound a bit daft, but I feel like we never really got an adequate snow day, and here's what I mean by that. 
It, I mean, all of the days we had where there was a lot of snow, like it just came out of the blue and it was so intense that nobody could do anything. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't enjoy it. And the power was out and the cars were abandoned and it was all, you know, it was just disaster. So I, I always felt like this winter we didn't get one day where there was sufficient snowfall that it was sort of beautiful and it was a winter wonderland and so forth, but where you could kind of actually leave the house and go out and enjoy it. I mean, it was either bone dry or it was doom, and you weren't able to actually, you know, take advantage of it. So, Oh, I took advantage of it. I had plenty of snow days at that time. Yeah, I do not miss any snow days whatsoever. I think we had enough. It's awkward. Uh, secondly, uh, and, and every single year I do this, and every single year I complain about it, that I have failed to take advantage of the winter and spring dead period sort of in terms of air conditioning to get my air conditioning uh, recon, you know, reconditioned or whatever it is to get the Freon checked and cleaned out. And I every year I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do that in December when nobody else is calling about air conditioning. And then, of course, what did I do? I completely failed uh, to get it done in December. So now I'm going to be the jackass number 575 that goes to the air conditioner place going, hey, can you uh, can you take a look at my AC, please? And the guy's going to say, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's that's going to be about nine weeks. Come back, you know, come back and see us in mid-July. I'm already looking forward to that. Bank of America posts a first quarter profit surpassing all predictions, so they're fine. So they better not be begging for any money. At the same time, GM is laying off 1,600 workers during the next few days as the automaker tries to cut costs. What more is there left to cut? So also, oh, I want to play you this because. Uh, do I have that open? No, I'm going to play this later. Anyway, David Axelrod, Obama's chief strategist, talks about these tea parties and says they're not very helpful. I think any time that you have severe economic conditions, there is always a, an element of disaffection that can mutate into something uh, 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 that's, that's, that's unhealthy. Meanwhile, uh, we're going to make friends with Cuba, and pretty soon we'll have some decent cigars in this country. The United States seeks a new beginning with Cuba. Now, let me be clear, I'm not interested in talking just for the sake of talking. But I do believe that we can move U.S.-Cuban relations in a new direction. To move forward, we cannot let ourselves be prisoners of past disagreements. Well, it's, uh, first of all, I, and I didn't think we were going to get any more new direction uh, comments. There uh, you glad, go. Glad to know that those, oh, are those will go on forever. Forward. Well done, Tim. Uh, also, does it seem to you, and I, I mean, which is fine with me, does it seem to you like Obama's just sort of, he's just decided to disregard, in a sort of what it must be said, sort of a George Bush type fashion, just disregard everybody who has a problem with anything he's doing, anybody who sort of disagrees with him or thinks that we, maybe we ought to stop and talk about Mr. Obama, can we discuss this? And he just he's just sort of rolling on and it, it just kind of casually tossing aside any and all objections, which is fine. I mean, I guess he's the president, that's what you do. Um, so, but this doesn't mean that like actual people, like citizens will be able to go to Cuba, but it's like right now, what do you got relatives or something there? You'll be able to go. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, if you, for whatever reason you want to go, you know, I, I was actually just going to say, it doesn't really seem like a place that's calling out for a lot of tourism at the moment, but you know, what, what do I know? I would say going on vacation in St. John's or something just has an ocean next to it. Yes, it is, Tim. Uh, there are some disgusting people in Alabama. I know that's hard to believe. Disgusting is the best way to describe what library workers found in Alabama. A despicable act of vandalism. Somebody urinated on 41 books at the public library, and the mayor is irate. This is a filthy and despicable act of vandalism. So it's going to be stopped. But, I mean, all at once or... Yes, like all one, at once. one at a time. A... It wasn't over like a period of weeks or something where they were like, you know, today, Emily Dickinson. Tomorrow, V.C. It, it may have been a group of people. All right. Well, 
when one, at the same time. When you're, well, you know, when you were, when this you're in Alabama, Alabama, one one does need to create one's own entertainment every now and again. Tap for penis watch. Uh, here's your penis watch for Take one day. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Mel is comes to some New York City where anything's possible. A convicted sex offender from Brooklyn took a bite out of crime and a bite out of himself also. Damien Arate was found naked and bleeding behind a building in Brooklyn after biting off the tip of his own penis. It goes without saying that he's been hospitalized. <laughs> yes, I'm for any number of things, I would think. How did he do it? As the police officer. Well, he uh, pled guilty in Suffolk County in uh, 2004 for two misdemeanors after being accused the previous year of raping a 13-year-old girl. It's not clear... Why, uh, he bit off his own penis, but investigators um, might be just as confused or impressed that he did it by himself. Does it? But, I mean, there's no, you can't, this is the cop saying, how did he do it? But did they answer the question? You can't pose that query and then not resolve it. That's correct. Well, he hasn't been interviewed as of yet. I mean, don't you almost want to, like, have him do the artist recreation of the event? You know, just to sort of demonstrate how that's no, possible. Sure, again on cops. You know that is kind of impressive. I mean, uh, you know, and, and since it sounds like he was sort of a bad egg to begin with, uh, this is sort of, uh, you know, the story has ended happily It'll in any turn number up of ways. One of those, you know, VH1 specials. <laughs> one of those, like the best week ever. Yeah, the best week ever. Hal Sparks will be sitting there talking about it, and then they'll talk to Michael Ian Black, who, like, uh, you know, he'll make like a Jetsons reference or something. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, there you go. Well, there's your penis watch for Monday. Take a look at my enormous penis. My troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Maybe he just deduced that the penis was um, causing him some trouble. It was maybe the, uh, I going to say the root of his problems, but the, the, the source of his problems. Well, it's a quick way to solve the problem. <laughs> it was a, sort of a zero-sum game. Just decided to, uh, to take care of it by any means necessary. Meanwhile, over the weekend, there was the Miss USA beauty patch you probably didn't watch. But the uh, candidate from California was asked about uh, same-sex marriage and offered this comment. We live in a land that you can choose same-sex marriage or opposite marriage. Opposite marriage. Opposite marriage. (laughs) Is that what you have in Bizarro World? What is opposite marriage? I don't know, but that's from the mouth of a beauty queen. Uh, Is that the full... Uh, is that is that the the, the full uh, California thing where they it's like, it, in other words not Miss California it's Miss USA yeah but she's from California is this the same where was uh, that beauty pageant where there was the idiot girl from South Carolina or North oh, Carolina whatever yeah. the the girl that was I talking think that about was on the East Coast when it was still in Atlantic City now was that for Miss USA was it or for that was that for something else. The one with the girl was talking about USA the USA or America. I can't tell the difference between the two. She was talking about the uh, and with the Iraq and like and such and so forth. Yeah, that was whatever. Miss USA, that like girl Teen was, USA or uh, something. She's fantastic. Can you play that cut one more time, Tim? This one, yes, I can. We live in a land that you can choose same-sex marriage or opposite marriage. Fantastic. Well done. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Ahead, more news from Tim Riley. Later on, part one of our three-part interview with Harry Shearer. And uh, we will have a live performance by Queensryche from this weekend as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting. 
everywhere, at all times, to everyone, in accordance with prophecy. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say nipples. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. That's fantastic. Why did you say that just now? Where is that from? Why would you even be... Why would you have been oh, no, afraid at some point that I was going to say nipples? No, we were, we were talking about that new movie, Crank. I remember you were saying how he had to... Jumper cables on the tongue. Yes. All right. Anybody see Crank over the weekend? Or Crank 2, high voltage, rather? No. I didn't. I watched that Drew Barrymore movie on HBO. Oh, oh The so Great just... Gardens. It was oh. fantastic. Really? She has that I've weird... i watched it twice. She has that fat suit on. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of... Is it good? It's fantastic. You know, it's, it's funny because I never heard of this before, so it must have been Jackie O who put down the iron boot to keep this quiet for like 30 years. Because yeah. originally that documentary was made in the 70s. Yeah, the uh, the documentary, which, and I don't know if the documentary is still in print. Uh, you can get it at the, I think Movie Madness has it, but I mean, I think the documentary is it's uh, more or less widely available. Um, but so this is, it, so it's Drew Barrymore. Who's the other, uh, the woman? Uh, 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 Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang. Yeah. So Fantastic. Excellent. I will have to put that on my, uh, my to watch list. See, I'm going to have to get, here's the thing about HBO, is that I've gotten rid of HBO when The Wire went off the air, just because, not that there isn't quality programming in HBO, there certainly is, it was just, there was, I, you know, there's only so many minutes in the day, and then you get all this television to watch, and the, with everything, and Netflix, and Xbox, and whatever. No, that's true, I don't have time for one more thing. Nobody I know better get a show, because I just don't have time for any more shows. <laughs> at all. Don't you feel like you're at the Seriously, breaking point? I, I can't take any more programs, at <laughs> all. Just, uh, that... Uh, that is why when people would talk about, you know, I remember when the things used to be better. Nothing used to be better. We've gotten to the point where everybody has a show now. That's but then it's got to stop. But it's not just that everybody has a show. It's that everybody has a show that is good. Everybody has something that you want to watch. There was and there, and there aren't enough hours of the day to catch up on these shows. It wasn't not that they're bad. They're fantastic. I just don't have the time. And it wasn't too long ago that most of the things on television were crap. Uh, I mean, I would say probably up until about 1985, the odds were like maybe 20 percent that some. Something you were watching would be good or actually worth your time, but it was always. But you only had like five channels, so it doesn't matter. You were just going to watch whatever was on anyway. What is this, Cagney and Lacey again? I guess I'll watch it. Why? There's nothing else. I'm Cagney and Lacey. Not going to read a book, certainly. So I'll just sit here and watch Sharon and Glass sit and drink Lowenbrow with her dad. I mean, and that was like your Thursday night or whatever. Whereas now, it's not that just there's so many uh, channels, but there's so much stuff on that you actually actively want to watch all the time which is good because in this down economy tim uh really you never you never really appreciate television or electronic entertainment more than you do at a time like this especially if you're working less or you've been laid off or you just uh, want to go home and uh, have the sweet sweet uh, succor that is the electronic media so i was watching god what was i watching on saturday it was like um I was like, it was like a, a, a Anthony Bourdain marathon or something, or just, or I'll find myself watching those food shows that I shouldn't even be interested in, like Ace of Cakes. And then just, I get like five episodes in, I'm like, why am I watching Ace, Ace of, Cakes? of Cakes? There's uh, really a show called that. There is, uh, and I don't know why I was watching it, but then I do, or all that diners, dive-ins, and drives thing. So I'll do that. But I had gotten rid of HBO just because. There was so little time left in my schedule for watching television, and I was sort of afraid that HBO would put something else on that was good, and I would have to watch it, and then I would officially reach the breaking point, and I would just, my mind would snap from too many television obligations. So I just canceled it before they could add anything good. And they have subsequently put on Eastbound and Down, which is by the guy who did Observe and Report, which did I've got to watch. Oh, no, because okay. it's, it's not out yet. Okay. Um, so I got to watch that. 
and then Grey Gardens, you know, they can, and then they're going to be doing a, um, they're going to be doing a Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton, uh, film, like this sort of docudrama that kind of thing. That sounds fantastic. And man, HBO makes, they make wonderful, uh, docudrama films. Like they did that recount thing with Kevin Spacey, and then of course, way back when, they did the late shift about the, the Leno Letterman thing. So, all right. Grey Gardens. I'll put it on my list of things to watch. Tim Riley's tracking the following stories on this Monday morning. It's going to be 80 degrees today. Careless smoking leaves several Vancouver apartment dwellers homeless. New York City may treat fast food like pornography, banning it within a certain area of schools. Today is the 10th anniversary of Columbine. B of A posted an unexpected first quarter profit. The father of one of Slumdog stars tries to sell his daughter because he can't cash in on the movie. Not so for Zach Ebron. He made $24 million over the weekend. He will not be sold. Is that with that... Um... Is that that 17 again thing? I guess so. Which I think is just, I was going to say it's a thinly veiled remake of 18 again. No, it's it's also big, too. And it's also big. It's also going on 30. Like father, like son, and vice versa, And which I guess and they all kind of go back to, uh, to Freaky Friday. So, all right. Have you ever seen 13 going on 30? That's the, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Garner? Yeah. No. Yeah, I watched that for the first time this weekend. It sucked. If by why, if, if by mean watch it, you mean it was it on in the background at my home while I tried to avoid it and, <laughs> and pay attention to something else? Yes. Yes, that was the case. So, uh, I want to thank also everybody who came out on, God, I had a busy weekend. We normally talk about this stuff at the beginning of the five o'clock hour, but it was just so much I to discuss. I haven't spoken to you in days. Please to be telling me. Well, what was Sarah's uh, window being smashed in in Bremerton, and then you having a uh, a new BlackBerry, which is fantastic, by the way. I was just Honestly, looking at that. isn't it the prettiest thing ever? And it has a cover. It's called the Merlot. Is that the is that the color of the? It is well, like the a phone wine itself. A fine wine. It is. <laughs> it's the fine wine of texting. When you uh, when you have that BlackBerry though, doesn't it? It, it feels it, too fancy. Like even holding it now, I don't feel like like I should be holding. Doesn't this. it just seem like the phone you were destined to have though? Mm-hmm. When you hold it in your hand, you're like, "This is the phone I was meant to own." Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. So the first thing I would do though, I was telling you this during the break, you got to get a protective. I know you uh, got to stop telling me that because you're making me paranoid. I'm just saying you got to keep an eye on it. Okay. Because because otherwise, what you'll do is you'll do my thing of like, well, I'll just stick it in my pocket. And which is fine if it's got some sort of a screen, but the very first time I stuck it in my pocket, I did it without really thinking about it, because the previous phone that I had, like I didn't, you know, I didn't care about, uh, and so it didn't matter if it got scratched up or whatever. And then I realized to my horror, I'm like, what's that sound? Oh my god! And I put it in my pocket, and there was like 75 cents worth of change in my pocket with my brand new BlackBerry, and thankfully. It had been put in such a way that it was the back of the phone that was rubbing against the, like a bunch of quarters or something in my pocket. Because oh. then otherwise you just have to, otherwise you just have to go incinerate yourself. I mean, if you screw that phone up like right out of the oh, gate, no, just, and this no is the nice because I've had the same phone for four years. You know that huge brick that I've had. Well, and it, it, like, when your cell phone reaches a certain point, you, you realize that you just no longer care what happens to it. I mm-hmm. mean, it, you know, you just drop it in the street, get stepped on by elephants, doesn't matter. That you have no uh, personal investment. But it's like my Windows uh, machine versus the MacBook that I got. And I think Bobby was making this observation. It's like, when is the last time anybody stopped to, to clean the screen on their on their desktop Windows PC? Like, never. Because what do you care? Not like it's going to look any better somehow. So if you you know if you if you're typing away on like your Microsoft machine and suddenly it just gets sort of uh, you know it, it gets sort of filthy, you just kind of like Puh! wipe it with the with the sleeve of your shirt. All right, good enough for now. Yes, I'll go back to typing on this ancient archaic keyboard. Anyway, uh, oh, speaking of Microsoft, I should uh, I should play this before we get too ahead of ourselves. Coming up later on today, we'll have uh, part one of our three part interview with Harry Shearer of Microsoft uh, Microsoft of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame, uh, and we'll have a live I saw performance. That picture of you guys too. That's cool. 
Uh, is it posted? Did Paddock put it up? Uh-huh. I haven't put it up yet. I uh, he was he was here in this studio yesterday. It was uh, it's quite something because he has a national show that he does, like a, a public radio uh, show that he does on Sundays, and he did that from here from Sarah's chair actually. And then I came in and we uh, did an interview that we're going to uh, going to play back, and it was really just uh, really just amazing. And I keep going back to this point when you were sitting across uh, the desk from him. And you realize it's like that Ray Bradbury story where the guy steps on a butterfly uh, back in, you know, five million years ago and it changes everything in the future. That if you were to somehow go back and just remove Harry Shearer from from the timeline, from from pop culture, that there's so much stuff that just wouldn't exist now or would be vastly different anyway. Um, you know, there would be no spinal tap probably the way we know it uh, now, which is just anyway, it's just amazing. So um, so before we do any of that. I should uh, thank everybody who sent this to me over the weekend. So Microsoft, being the hip trend-setting company that they are, I'm just going to read this press release here. Microsoft is taking a stand against... Sarah, what do you suppose that Microsoft would be taking a stand against? Um, I'll give you a hint. It's not piracy. I was just going to say piracy. No, no, no. It's not piracy or theft or copyright infringement or anything. Anyone? Hmm. I don't know. What would it be? Give me a hint. On the internets? No, I'll just I'll just read because you're never going to guess. Yeah. This is from uh, this is from Microsoft, and they have a uh, a brand new page up now where they are encouraging parents and kids to submit quote videos showing fun ways for kids to learn how to keep themselves safe and balanced in the age of the internet, because of course the uh, the biggest problem now is um, sexting. And now I thought that the word sexting was made up, which I think it is. But now there's not only sexting, there is in fact just sexing with no T, which sounds like a mistake. It sounds like Borat uh, talk. Sexing? Sexing. Listen to this. This is, uh, this is. I want to be sexing you. This, this is from Microsoft's uh, website where they're talking about how to keep your kids safe. I'm just going to read this without editing here. Picks, picks, and picks. Taking, sharing, and commenting on pictures and videos online is one of teens' favorite pastimes. They take them using their cell phones, webcams, pocket video cameras, and Wi-Fi-capable digital cameras. They store them on handheld and desktop gaming devices, computers, flash drives, MP3 players, media cards, and online services. The good thing is that these pics let them share their creativity and lives with family and friends. The bad thing is that it lets them share their personal information, impulsivity, and sexuality with everyone. Sexing, which I thought was a misprint. Impulsivity like I, and sexuality. I thought that they had spelled this wrong. Like They sort of inadvertently left the T out. Sexing, which is when they use... Sarah, what is sexing? When they use, I don't know, the video parts of their cameras. Tim, what do you suppose sexing is? I believe they use both audio and video. Sexing, Tim, is when they use any digital technology to share nude pics with each other. It's on the rise and far more common than parents know. Sexting, with a T, is when young people share nude or sexual images of themselves and friends with others using cell phones. Says, uh, while one might think rebellious teens or bullies are the instigators, good teens and teen leaders alike are all likely candidates for Girls Gone Wild Online says this article. And then, anyway, so at the end, they have this whole sort of set of suggestions for parents about how to stop your kids from sexing. Sit down and ask to see their, this is in quotes, pics. Oh, yeah, because what you, like, you need to have the awkward conversation <laughs> of seeing your child, like, all neutered up, trying to turn someone on. Honey, I, uh, I need to know if there are pictures of your genitals on this phone. Please to open it now. 
Look through their collections on their cell phones, handheld gaming devices. Look through their computer. Look through their flash drives and media cards. Look at their Facebook, MySpace, and YouTube photos. Look at their friends' pics too, and follow your teen's tagged pics. Don't be a snoop, though. If they don't ask, and then it says if they don't ask, they won't tell.、Um, at the end here, it just says, and then I'm leading up to this fantastic song that we're going to play. At the end, it says it is important for teens to understand the implications of being involved in sexing from any perspective. As I always tell, but this is Microsoft's final sentence as they are instructing you on how to raise well-balanced kids. The final sentence is, as I always tell others, don't be stupid. So, <laughs> don't be stupid. That's the、uh, that's the official line from、Stop、Microsoft. Stop being stupid. So it says here, Microsoft has announced 15 finalists in its search for the new. Get game smart, ambassadors. Parents and teens teamed up to create videos spotlighting their families' approach to safe and balanced video gaming. And this is、uh, one of the、uh, this is one of the entries that we're going to play here.、Uh, this is from Microsoft dot com. And so I guess the deal is it was like kids and their parents are supposed to、uh, write and record something and send it into Microsoft. Fifteen finalists displayed their enthusiasm for safe video gaming in all sorts of ways. From a father-daughter video showing the consequences of choosing to play video games rather than study for,、uh, for an exam, to this, ladies and gentlemen, I give you、uh, the Xbox Wrap. This is from、uh, Microsoft.com. Video games are all that I love. The Xbox the 60 rises above with Halos and Star Wars and Call of Duty 5. Video games are the reason I'm even alive. When he plays the Xbox, I think it's cool. Only if he does his homework after school. He gets to play when he makes an A, but if he gets an F, it's the end of the day. The sound, the graphics, the overall play—that's why the Xbox always gets its way. On the weekends, I play all day long. At least my thumbs are getting really strong. Yeah, the Xbox stimulates the brain, but the physical activity isn't so lame. He is 13, so he gets to play the T. I like the fun games. It's rated E. My mom says not too much. I disagree. I love the Xbox, and it loves me. When I get tired, the controllers are on my lap, and this concludes the Xbox wrap. The most important this message—we're、uh, trying to. Communicate. communicate is that it's important to balance, have balance, and、oh. homework, physical activity. Yes,、uh, we have a very healthy diet. Homework first, and we learn. Make this video was fun. Thank you, Xbox. Always do everything in one take. Where did you find that? It's at Microsoft、uh, dot com. The video itself is horrifying because the mom is, of course, wearing big sunglasses and a baseball no. cap. No, 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 yeah, no. and a gold chain. No, she not a gold chain, but she she looks like、uh, like speaking of the Simpsons, she looks like that、uh, Poochie. From the, he's the skateboard riding dog. The best part in this is when the kid says, "I love the Xbox, and it loves me," which is which is exactly、uh, the way the Microsoft wants you to do these things. I like the enthusiasm that the mother the conveys. I like the fact that they just did it like all at once and figured that it like their crap take was good enough. Like, should we fix it up? No, it's fine. So, also the fact that that has now been downloaded by everybody, and as soon as he becomes 15 and attempts to date,、uh, that will appear on、uh, every MySpace page and every Facebook page of every single person at his school. Well done, young person. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Just ahead, Tim Riley at the news desk, Amanda Moyer from CNN. Your phone calls, etc. Coming up later on,、uh, part one of our three-part Harry Shearer interview, and、uh, we'll have an exclusive live performance by Queensrÿche as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. One time, I did actually confess that I、um, made out with my teddy bear. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Monday morning, and good morning to you. It's five zero three seven three three. 
970. Still ahead, Tim Riley at the news desk. Uh, later on, part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame and uh, an exclusive live performance of Silent Lucidity uh, by Queensryche from their uh, acoustic performance they did on Saturday for a uh, small group of KUFO listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, the one and only Amanda Moyer. And good morning to you. How are you, Amanda? Good morning. I'm great. How are you today? I am fantabulous. Hey, let me ask you this. In uh, in uh, Atlanta, in Georgia, do you all have the, the smoking ban there where you can't smoke in bars or, or restaurants or whatever? In some, yes. Have you heard about this thing? Uh, it's, Sarah, is it actually called an e-cig? Is that the name of the product? I don't know the exact name of it. Tim, was that the name of the cigarette? That was it, an e-cig. So have you heard about it? It's an, it's a, it, it, apparently it's a small sort of plasticky device that looks exactly like a cigarette, but it isn't a cigarette. It's a, some kind of, it's a, you know, the plastic or a polymer of some kind, and it is meant to replicate uh, the feel and sensation of smoking without actually uh, lighting up. It doesn't burn. And what it does is uh, when you draw on it, the end of it lights up and then it puts a sort of nicotine-filled mist into your mouth. Have you heard about this? I, I did hear a little bit about this. Is it to help you quit or is it just to duplicate the sensation in places where you can't smoke? No, I don't think I don't think quitting has any, uh, has any uh, role in this. I think it really is just if you want to be able to, to smoke somewhere but you're going into a bar or restaurant where you can't, um, and, you know, and, and because it lets you do all the things of like having the habit with your hands and having something in your mouth. And so you're not always having that weird twitchiness. And then it's a nicotine delivery system as well. So I'm trying to sort of get my hands on one of these without actually having to fork over like $70 for it because the whole thing just fascinates me. So I didn't know if it was a, if it was a thing that had popped up, uh, you know, elsewhere in the country because I think the smoking ban is sort of creeping across America like uh, some sort of uh, prohibitionist kudzu. So, all right. Well, I have to, uh, I have to continue to, uh, to investigate. Did, let me ask you this. Did they send you to this uh, World Barista Championship thing, or are you sort of covering it from afar? No, they did send it. To, they did send me, but it's here in Atlanta. All right. So, uh, like a World Barista Championship, is that just, I mean, is it exactly what it sounds like? Is it just 10,000 people in a room and there's a guy saying, double half-calf, go! And then they got like 15 seconds to crank it out? or Sort of. Uh, basically, the national winner in each country came to Atlanta, and there were 52 countries represented, and it basically was three days of preliminary round competition where each barista prepared four espressos, four cappuccinos, and also four signature drinks. The key is they had to do it in 15 minutes. All right. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it's certainly, especially because I think a lot of the, uh, what we'll call the uh, major coffee uh, emporium chains have started doing this thing where they don't even make it by hand anymore. They just put the cup underneath and they press the button that says latte and then it just sort of spits it all out uh, like one of those old school vending machines that has the poker cup or whatever. So how many people were there? Um, you mean attendees? Yeah, how many how many people were were competing in this, and then what does it get narrowed down to at the end? Okay, well, there were 52 baristas competing, and uh, it got narrowed down to the top six, and then they had to face off again, and then there was a winner. Uh, he, he The winner is from the U.K. All right, so, okay, so, this is, so it really is the actual world championship. She's not just here in America. Mm-mm, no, it was held here in Atlanta, but... Uh, it was from all around the world. Uh, last year, it was held in Copenhagen. Is there some sort of a point of pride with uh, the uh, with like Italian baristas where they sort of feel it's a personal slight if anybody from any other country is able to make uh, you know like espresso or cappuccino faster than they are? Well, I don't know because they didn't place in the top six. Are you kidding? Well, so where? I, so it really uh, the jingoistic side of Rick Emerson must then inquire uh, where did America place? 
third. Ah, oh, third. A uh, guy from Chicago was the uh, right. the winner from well, the right. U.S. Clearly, we all need to buckle down and consume more caffeine in this country so that we can keep keep everybody in, in sort of fighting trim. Obviously, when I picture uh, baristas, I don't know. I think maybe it's because of uh, like the way that Portland is. And then also the fact that like Maxim or somebody did some like all, like bur, like hot baristas of the USA layout at some point. When I picture baristas, it's just like uh, like a girl covered in in facial jewelry, and then uh, and then like her hair is mauve or something. But I don't know if that bears any relation to, to the reality. Uh, there were some people like that, but for the most part, no. I mean, it was actually people. Uh, the guy from South Korea was wearing a suit with a. Uh, little smock over it so but i should tell you they take this thing pretty seriously i was quite surprised i mean it's like it's intense they practice for days and days leading up to the competition and uh it's even put to music see it seems like there ought to be even as we speak now on the food network some reality show being cranked out about this because i was talking about in the last segment how I think it was on Saturday or maybe the Friday night or something. I was sitting on the sofa and then I realized I was like five episodes deep into Ace of Cakes. And let me just say, I don't, I don't really care about cake all that much. Cake and I are sort of indifferent uh, to one another. There's, there's no real reason why I would be watching that. And yet, like, there I was. Uh, see also, um, God, what is that other show? Well, it's like, it, it's like uh, World's Deadliest Catch, which it's not like I'm, you know, really going to pursue a career as a, like an Alaska, Alaskan fisherman or something. I mean, at least there, there's the occasional uh, sort of maiming or something that keeps the show interesting. Ace of Cakes is really just somebody having to create a cake and then get it in a car and then carry it in and set it on a table somewhere in under half an hour. And there I am just, uh, you know, just sitting on the sofa immobile. Watching hour after hour of it, so it seems like there ought to be uh, some barista show in the offing at this point. I would think so too, and there may be. I didn't see the Food Network there, but I was looking for them because it seems like something perfect down there, Allie. I have to ask: by the end of the day, were you all uh, twitchy from the many cups of caffeine that have been proffered? Uh, no, I didn't have that many, but I, I definitely did get to sample some. Excellent. All right, Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, there they go. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Oh, uh, very quickly, speaking of what else I did this weekend. So, uh, working backwards. So, yesterday, Harry Shearer was here. Uh, Saturday, Queensryche did, um, they were at the Roseland Saturday night, and then they were uh, at an undisclosed location. They were performing a small private acoustic set for some KUFO listeners. We taped that. We'll play part of that back later, including Silent Lucidity. And then on Saturday night, I was at uh, the Cleaners, which is that sort of, not even really a club, it's just sort of a, like a venue, sort of a location, and it's uh, it's downtown right next to the Ace Hotel and the Clyde Commons restaurant. Oh, yeah, that's fancy pants. And, we sit there, and so I was invited to be a, a DJ at the after party for uh, National Record Store Day. And uh, Oh, my friend Casey was DJing that, too. Uh, Casey... From uh, um, the Mercury. What is it, Mana Mangannon? Forget whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the guy that went on after me, I think. With the glasses? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all it's all kind of a blur because I've been up just forever anyway, and I I picked the ten forty five slot, which it, it actually seemed you know it, it worked out fine in retrospect, but it was one, also one of those things where you realize by doing this morning show like how uh, your body clock sort of gets uh, shifted over over the weeks. So the, by the time ten thirty comes around, you're just like, oh, it's so damn late. I don't even know that I can make it through. But so I did this uh, DJ set from ten forty five to midnight, following Sam Adams, by the way. And oh, there was, how's he doing? Well, there was all of this uh, kind of anticipation about, like, what is Sam Adams' first song going to be? And what's it, what's it, what's it going to, you know, what, what is the first it? track? I don't even know because he did this I mean, kind of a great thing where he just played all local music. It was nothing but local bands, which I don't know if that was like him or his people. Like, if he had some sort of a, uh, 
was going to say handler, but that seems wrong. If he had, you know, some sort of a staff person that was like, no, 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 you've got to play local music. That will get you points with the kids. So he played a bunch of stuff, and some of it I recognized as like Modest Mouse or whatever, and then some of it I didn't. And then I was sort of agonizing about what I was going to start with, and so I ended up playing that Portland, Oregon song by, by Loretta Lynn. But I won't say this. It wasn't just an idle threat. I did, in fact, end with the Osmonds, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, so thanks to everybody who came out. In and, preparation uh, for this, uh, your upcoming Vegas That's trip. right, Sarah, because uh, this Friday, so I'm going to do the show this Friday, and then I'm getting on a plane at 11 a.m., uh, this coming Friday, oh, you're that flying close. to Vegas. Yeah, no, I'm going to get um, off of the air and drive right to the airport. Um, and I will be in Vegas Friday night. We'll be seeing Donnie and Marie at the Tropicana. And here's the Fantastic. thing. Fantastic. I was talking to Isaac. They're at the Tropicana. I thought they were at the Flamingo. Um, I forget. It's one or the other. Uh, my wife's kind of handled that part of it because, you know, Osmonds. Uh, so I took the Britney ticket. She got Donnie and Marie. So we're leaving on Friday morning. We're going to Vegas. We were talking to our friend Isaac from Jackpot Records mm-hmm. on um, on Saturday night at the event because he was hosting this after party. And he says that if you go uh, to the casino, it's the Flamingo, I guess, if you go there early, that Donnie and Marie, almost always Marie, usually Donnie as well, are just sort of hanging out in the lobby for no readily apparent reason. Like I just and I said, well, what do you mean, just like signing stuff? And he goes, no, they're just kind of standing around. <gasps> and he knows several people that have gone. And he said, if you go to the Donnie and Marie show about forty five minutes in advance, uh, the odds are like I don't know, probably eighty percent that at least one of them will just be sort of loitering out front. Um, well, there's so. Donnie Marie, all kinds of Donnie Marie stuff for sale there in every store. Really, yeah. in Vegas? Yeah, in, at the Flamingo. Okay, so that yeah. is where the show is. What sort of uh, merchandise might I be able to buy? Uh, they've done several books. And there's lots of memorabilia, especially from the 70s. Excellent. Like one side is how they look now, and the other side, how they look during uh, the Donnie Marie show days. Really? Yeah. It seems like that might be uh, ill-advised, any such merchandise that allows for any comparative analysis. So my, my whole goal, though, is to get uh, is to get a photo with, uh, with Marie Osmond. Because I don't think she signs stuff, but I think she's doing photographs. And usually it's the opposite. Usually they'll sign everything. Uh, but they don't. They don't want to get their picture taken before before showtime. But I think she is doing pictures. So I'm going to try to get the, me and Marie's crazy eyes uh, all in the frame together. And then uh, Saturday night there. it's uh, Britney Spears. So it's uh, that's so awesome. She won't be hanging around the. Uh... No, no, probably not. Um, you would be catch her like having a smoke out back. Well, that's the thing. We were already sort of wondering because she did that thing in Vancouver, BC, of like, holding the show for like an hour or something because there was pot smoke. And I'm telling you right now, if Britney delays the show for half an hour. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to stay for that. I'm going to leave. I will. Uh, I'm going to opt not to remain in my uh, in in my MGM Grand seat for an hour while I wait for Britney Spears to come out from backstage. So that is happening uh, this week. It's all very exciting. But so thanks to everybody who came down to the uh, National Record Store Day uh, uh, event that I was part of. So that was all um, was quite thrilling. Coming up later on, our, uh, part one of our three part interview with Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame. Tim Riley at the news desk next, and uh, we will also have an exclusive performance by Queensrank. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. View every top five ever. Go to KUFO.com and waste hours of your precious life. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come, part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame. Later on, a uh, performance by Queensryche from Saturday's uh, acoustic set they did for some KUFO listeners, including Silent Lucidity. That's on the way. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. 
In the news with Tim Riley. Three people were arrested when Marion County deputies made a major dragon weapons bust in the town of Woodburn. Deputies say they received several tips from people in the Woodburn community about the home of 44-year-old Mark Unger, a well-known uh, real estate man. He and his 30-year-old girlfriend Alicia were arrested on various charges. They found uh, the home with drugs in it, marijuana, cocaine, crack cocaine, methamphetamines. They also found more than 75 guns, some of which were stolen and loaded. Authorities said many of them, oh, the daughters who were ages 4 to 11, had access to the guns. The daughters who were taken and put in protective custody. Meanwhile, a day after a violent rescue of a U.S. ship captain from Somali pirates, the cable television channel says it'll air a reality show about pirates. Why not? The name of the show is Pirate Hunters USN. It's expected to air as a one-hour special in the fall on Spike TV. Pirate Hunters USN? Yes, United States Navy. United States Navy. All yeah. right, okay. All right. Pirate Hunters USA sounds like some sort of an awful Beach Boys song. Mm-hmm. So uh, look for that. The father of a slumdog millionaire star is being accused of trying to sell the little girl who's the star of the film. They were following up on uh, reports of this. And uh, apparently, well, the dad was upset that he couldn't cash in on the movie. Not so for Zach Ephraim. He made millions of dollars over the weekend. That movie made $24 million. Then all the victims of Friday's collapse of a children's ride at the Puyallup Springs Fair have been released from area hospitals. Five children, one adult, went to the hospital after the ride collapsed. Ugh. This is called the lolly swing. <laughs> Try to stay away from it if you can. A fair spokesman said the ride passed a Puyallup safety inspection. <laughs> The Puyallup safety inspection is perhaps uh, not as comprehensive as it might ideally be. Say, mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit of a, it's relative safety in the Puyallup. In Puyallup, where uh, isn't that where the Kenneth Pinion thing happened? And I believe it was the uh, or no, that so. was Enumclaw. I always confuse Puyallup and Enumclaw. I don't know better than that. And then well, sometimes, they're right next to each other, though. Yeah, about the same thing. See, that's the thing. Yeah, they all merge together, and then occasionally, I, my brain, uh, you know, I have Puyallup and I have Enumclaw, and then my brain will throw in Ellensburg every now and again, and then I can't, and then I have to stop and look at a map, and then I realize it's a story that I typically don't care about. Except this one does have collapsing carnival rides, so that's mm-hmm. always fun. Here's Tim Riley. So we played this uh, Friday, and we've gotten a lot of letters about it, so we should play it again. What was that? It was the sound of someone putting on a crinoline, I think. Sorry, it's my tissue. Okay. Oh, okay. It's the sound of I didn't realize a tissue would make noise. I just moved You're it by the microphone. You're in front of a microphone. I know. Tim and I remain as quiet as possible so we can get every tiny rustle. I'd rather use a tissue than be all sniffly on I'm just... Oh, now, we're, now I've missed the rustling. Excellent. Sorry, right. it's time for this wonderful story. About the uh, woman who gave birth to a child... Her husband's on the telephone with the 911 operator, and they had no idea that she was pregnant. And this is... What? No, it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. So we had um, we had this audio on Friday, and it was sort of late in the show that we got this, and it was just the best thing that I had ever heard. And it's like, and it, and like with so many of the great 911 calls that we have here, it is just escalating levels of greatness. It was sort of like, a, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, we had the 911 call that was that woman in Florida because there was the alligator in the kitchen. Yeah. And it and it sort of reached a climax with the 911 operator saying, you know, how big is the alligator? And she goes, it's huge! And that the, it's huge! was That was like the apex. That was the apotheosis of that whole call. This 911 call starts off real strong and then gets better and better uh, until it reaches the money line, which will announce itself. It is, uh, it is self-evident. Okay. All right, Tim, do we have this? Yes, we do. All right. 
So here we go. Terry, you're get nine one one. Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife is in the bathroom. Um, she's bleeding all over the place. Um, she thinks she's having a baby. Oh my God, Terry, get on the. She's in the bathtub. She's having the baby. I think she's having labor right now. Okay. Oh my God, I can't hear you, ma'am. Oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. Okay, hold on. Oh my God. Okay, hold on. This was pregnant. You didn't know she was pregnant. No. No. Okay. I had no idea my wife was pregnant. Okay. Oh, my God, my wife is holding a baby. <laughs> I had no idea my wife was pregnant. Okay. How old is she? She's 27 years old. She got, um, she's she got, delivered. She's had three children. Two are mine. One is before me. She, she's fine. It's a, oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. Okay, calm down, okay? It's a boy. It's sort of like... Oh, my God. It's like he was uh, looking at the Ark of the Covenant my or something. My wife's holding a baby. No, and the, really, the best part of that entire... Wait, hold on. The... Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. <laughs> Which is... I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And so I actually got an email from somebody over the weekend, somebody who was insisting that it couldn't possibly be real. Uh, the, the call had to be uh, the fake somehow. But that is... Does it say where it's at? Uh, yeah, we had the story. It was out, right outside of Grand Rapids. Outside of Grand Rapids. And have it we, is a real story. Is there any subsequent information about uh, the woman or, or the family? I do have another uh, soundbite that goes with this. All right. uh, this is him stating the fact that he didn't even know that she was pregnant. She, he thought she just put on a little weight because she quit smoking. You know, we quit smoking, and my wife put on a little bit of weight, and I thought that's what it was. I did not know she Excuse my language. That's okay. I did not realize she was pregnant. Okay, but let, I want you to tell me if she, are you right there with her? Yes. Okay, yes, she, she's not bleeding profusely, is she? Uh, honey, you're not bleeding real bad, are you? <laughs> no, she's not. Okay. Oh my God, this is so bizarre. Oh my God. How did, oh, this is her fourth kid, I can't believe she doesn't know. Um, oh my Lord. And blown away. How's the color on the baby looking? He's fine. Okay. He's perfectly fine. Good deal. I'm looking right at him. He's it's my kid. <laughs> he looks just like me. <laughs> oh my God! I'm looking at a baby. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is the fourth kid she's had. He really does raise a valid point, which is how would you not be? Um, I think you'd be used to that with your body going through changes. Uh, See, and that's and of course everybody immediately runs to, well, is she huge? Uh, you know, is she is she a, a larger woman, and so therefore she might not notice that she had put on, you know, like however however much weight, uh, however much weight one one adds uh, when one is with child. But but, but look, I'm no. Uh, I'm the woman or nothing, but, but it seems like in addition to the weight you put on, like there are also various other changes that happen, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, women, uh, women's uh, cycles are uh, often, I think, in fact, almost always, uh, they just cease, right? Isn't that the deal? Mm -hmm. You don't have uh, a nature's visitor? Sometimes, but sometimes uh, nature's special gift uh, does come. Really? So it's yeah, because my friend was knocked up and she didn't know it because she uh, kept having her period. Well, don't you it, but isn't it like a lot of... And then that's just uh, all sorts of unnerving. But isn't it... But don't you just... Uh, there's like a morning sickness and there's vomiting and whatever? Yes. So, I mean, it seems like there's any number of hundreds of signs uh, that would indicate to you that you were, uh, you know, that you were perhaps uh, uh, expecting. Doesn't seem like it ought to end with the... Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby! <laughs> Which, which never gets any uh, that never gets any less hilarious, right there. So uh, we'll play that again uh, later on in the uh, program. Here's uh, Tim Riley several times. 
The CIA is looking for bilingual employees. USA Today said the spy agency needs to uh, provide some specific figures on the number of workers. They need more who speak foreign languages. Only 18% of the agency's uh, people speak more than English, so they need someone right away. They're in particular need uh, of uh, agents who can waterboard people in other languages. The <laughs> and, and apparently, let's see, they waterboarded uh, someone 186 times, and then two other people 266 times. We do have some commentary over uh, some of these records being released from Ohio Congressman John Boner, who says he doesn't approve of releasing the CIA uh, memos. He just says it offers a comfort to our enemies. The release of these memos uh, is dangerous. Yeah, okay. What uh, was his name? really no, no explanation given beyond that. No. Uh, Rahm Emanuel says they're right to release this information. Congress will uh, deal with this part of uh, the energy policy. They'll deal with resource investments into alternative energy. They'll also deal with the way we ha bring more efficiency into the system. That sounds like the wrong soundbite. It does, but oh that's what God, it was I'm looking at a baby. All right. That's always the right soundbite, Tim. That soundbite's never out of place. Uh, John McCain's uh, daughter is sounding a warning to the Republican Party. She, uh, her name is Megan. And she's hot, by the way. Oh, is that the, this is the trashy one? Oh, yeah. No, oh, she's, uh, yeah. no, yeah, no. Daddy, daddy likes her. Ew. I mean, John McCain likes her. Her father. Yeah, I would Why do you hate father-daughter love, Sarah? Well, as long as it's within reason. She oh, warns my God, I'm looking at a baby. She warns that many of the older members of the party that they're uh, scared of what the future holds because they cling too much to the past. I think we're seeing a war brewing in the Republican Party right now. But it's not between us and the Democrats. It's not between us and liberals. It's between the future and the past. I believe most people are ready to move on to that future. What yeah. is she like? Twelve? I yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't sound real bright. But that's okay. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Was it? Uh, was I know it, she doesn't need to be. No, no, she doesn't, Sarah. Was it that uh, uh, Vogue magazine or something that did that uh, shot of her, or was it just like a shot in her MySpace account? Um, there was. A, we had some picture of her during the campaign. It was like right in the run up to the election. There was some shot of Meghan McCain, who is John McCain's daughter. Is that his daughter with Cindy McCain? I'm oh, not sure. Boy, you talk about a woman that doesn't look like she could be pregnant. Cindy McCain is just so... Is it doesn't like, look like she could harbor a baby in there. <laughs> harbor a baby. Like Mama, impregnating a dragon. <laughs> exactly. Ma'am, are you harboring a baby in there? The, because she just seems like such a... Uh, she looks like olive oil. Uh, but if olive oil from the Popeye cartoon was like 100 years old... Are we talking about this picture? That's exactly... Well done. Look at you. It's some GQ. Yeah. I'm a... Rick look Emerson at those a, boobs. They're huge. Wait, hold on. Let me look. Excellent. Everyone stop and look. Everyone look at the boobs right now. I love it because there's just, it's all her. Like the giant boobs, laptop, beer. Yeah. Blackberry. Uh, so she is trying to position herself, obviously, as, as some sort of spokesperson with the Republican Party, something like it, some power broker or whatever, which her comments looked a lot more intelligent than they sound. I read an article over the weekend where they were talking about how she's like telling the Republicans they got to quit being such a, you know, just quit being just such nitwits about everything. And just, you know, and they got to quit clinging to all the so-called cultural war issues because they've lost. I mean, that's that's just over. They're hosed on that front. And when you read her comments, you go, my, my God, what a well-spoken young lady. She ought to write a book. She, she, she has well-reasoned opinions, and she seems to frame her arguments with absolute authority and assurance. And then you listen to her talk, and um, I mean, it really, it's like, you're, it's, it's like you're listening to a sequel to Clueless or something. So maybe she ought to just hire somebody else to, uh, to speak for her. To do the talking. Yeah. Hey, somebody points out, so what is the deal with the pregnant woman not feeling the baby kick? That's another thing. Don't you feel babies kicking around? Maybe you just think it's gas. 
That see, but, see, but women always Maybe say she has that. A, for a rollade or something before this happens. What does that, what does that mean when they say the people, that you think it's gas? Because you hear that occasionally. What kind of gas do you have that you're confusing it with a baby inside you? I mean, gas doesn't go on for nine months and get progressively bigger, I would think. I mean, unless there's something really seriously wrong with your diet and your intestinal tract. Aren't there any number of tells? No one in this room has been pregnant. That's, no. that's no. really the problem. Problem is the wrong way to put it. I'm just saying, uh, none of us are really uh, privy to any sort of uh, information that would help to quantify this. Mm-mm. Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. All right, has do, Christy uh, Turnquist had a baby? Uh, I don't. Uh, Does she have the children? I don't I don't, uh, I don't. know, actually. If she has, we can ask her. I can inquire of her. Let's do one more here, and then we'll get uh, caught up around the corner with Christy Turnquist. <clears throat> pardon me. And part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer. One New York City congressman wants to keep whoppers away from schools. He wants to have this uh, moratorium on fast foods being too close to schools because fast food is poisoning children, or so he claims. This is a direct impact on our children's health. All these fast food restaurants are a clear and present danger on our children's health. When you look at high diabetes rates, heart disease, um, hypertension. What's more American? I, can we all fill out a form somewhere, like a sort of a release of liability where we just, uh, you know, for those of us who don't care about such things, don't care about our own health, don't care about the health. I, I don't care. Not only do I not care about the health of people around me, I certainly don't care about the health of people who are not yet born. Uh, it's like when they talk about what about the budget problems we're going to pass along to our great grandchildren. I don't care about our great grandchildren. They can solve their own problems uh, right now. This is uh, this is about fixing problems uh, for us. Here's Tim Riley. Big gun show over the weekend in Sandy, Utah, brought out a record amount of people. Uh, Bob Templeton, who ran the show, says, I think he knows why so many people are clinging to their guns. We've had record crowds this weekend, as well as the record number of wow. people that have uh, set up at the show. It's uh, the biggest show we've ever had in Salt Lake. The interest in firearms is quite quite high right now. I think we know the answer uh, The answer to that question, Tim. It is uh, it's creeping socialism. All right, straight ahead, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will uh, join us. Uh, later on, we have an exclusive performance by Queensryche uh, from their uh, private show they did this weekend for some KUFO listeners. And we will have more of your phone calls. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. <clears throat> Pardon me. It is Monday morning. It's 503 733 2970, thank you for joining us. Coming up uh, later on in this hour, we will hear an exclusive live performance by Queensryche from this Saturday's uh, show that they put on. They did a uh, special acoustic uh, set for some KUFO listeners. We have some uh, of the Q&A from that, as well as a um, special acoustic version of Silent Lucidity. Coming up next hour, part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of uh, Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame, who was in the town yesterday uh, for the Unwigged Unplugged uh, tour. That was uh, Harry Shearer along with uh, Michael McKean and Christopher uh, Guest. So I've now interviewed two of the three members of Spinal Tap, so now I have only Christopher Guest <laughs> left, and then I'll have a complete set at home. That's Not unlike awesome. my... Uh, it'll get, I'll put that uh, mentally alongside my uh, my 12-inch uh, Spinal Tap uh, the collectible figurines, uh, which are still in the box, so as to keep their resale value pristine. It's 503-733-2970. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Christy Turnquist, a pop culture writer for The Oregonian. And I heard two things. One, somebody told me that Fox Television uh, has apologized or made some apology. There was some statement from some guy at Fox TV where they were apologizing for, for canceling Arrested Development some years back. And he told me about what? it, but I, well, see, that's what I said, but I couldn't, I looked online and I wouldn't able to find it. So I don't know if that's a thing that actually happened 
or if that's a thing that somebody was, you know, they were they were kind of inferring something that wasn't really in the article. You know what they ought to apologize for is that sit down, shut up thing, which is that animated series that is the newest thing from Mitchell Hurwitz, who's the guy behind Arrested Development. Boy, that's bad. It's bad. It's one of the that's one of the worst things I've seen in a long, long time. So just uh, FYI, if you were considering watching the animated series and it has. And the thing is, it's from Mitchell Hurwitz, who's the Arrested Development guy. And then it's got the voices of, among other people, Will Arnett, who is Joe Bluth, and Jason Bateman from Arrested Development, and then like Sherry O'Terry and whatever. But boy, there's just a. That's one of those things where about 15 seconds in, you think to yourself, oh God, this isn't going to be any good. And occasionally, like maybe one time out of a hundred, a show can pull themselves out of that tailspin and then somehow the rest of the episode becomes great. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's. Uh, Not so much. That's not the case. So, uh, anyway, so that's, uh, Tim was saying earlier about how it's very difficult. You reach a breaking point with your television where there's just too many things to watch. I've now freed up 22 minutes of your life because you don't need to watch, uh, the new, uh, the new animated series from Mitchell Hurwitz. You can, uh, you can avoid that. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning. The hostage drama involving a mentally challenged man in Jamaica is over. Temperatures today can reach 80 degrees. A popular Portland radio personality passes away. Careless smoking leaves several Vancouver apartment dwellers homeless. Today marks the 10th anniversary of Columbine. 1,600 GM employees will lose their jobs in the next few days. A man bites a python that wrapped its coil around him and was pulling him up a tree. What is it? So in Jamaica, it's a it's a guy. They're they're in the air. They're on the, the no, they're, tarmac. They're on the ground. All right, and, and it's over. Okay, and it was who? A uh, mentally challenged man holding the crew hostage. All the passengers were let out. There was no. Oh, problem I see. There. All right. So it wasn't like this one, like a thing where they were flying around in the air or something. No. All right. You will know, by the way, that we did this whole thing without me making the obligatory uh, "Jamaican me crazy" uh, joke, because I'm. Uh, you're so above that. That's that not the morning show humor. That's not the yes. type of humor in which we traffic here, Tim. Uh, this uh, program is many, many hundred notches above such foolishness. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, pop culture writer for the Oregonian, our good friend Christy Turnquist. Hello, how are you today? I'm fine. Oh, wait. Oh. And one more time. There we go. Okay. Hey. I'm, I'm still you? fine? Oh, and that mic sounds good. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Yay. How are you today, Christy? I'm feeling good. Yes. It was a great weekend. Lots of stuff going on in town. Great weather. You went to the Stumptown Comics Fest, did you I know? went on Saturday, and it was just packed. I was just saying, I was surprised that it was as crowded as it was, because the weather was nice. Uh, well, let's be honest. It's not like going outside is really high on the list of most comic book enthusiasts, you know, things to do. One could make that point. I mean, you don't really hear a lot of, no, 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 I'm not going to be able to stay at home and read my new issue of Dragonlance. I have to go out <laughs> and uh, play Frisbee golf. That's not really a thing. It's not like they're all out. Uh, forming like a full contact rugby teams or anything most of the time. There's probably not a lot of comics nerds slash surfers. No, and I uh, no, there really aren't. And I and I meant to go, and then I didn't. There was just so much going on uh, this weekend. I had uh, this uh, Queen's Rike thing, and then there was uh, the National Record Store Day, and I was doing a thing for that. And then yesterday was uh, the Harry Shearer, and so it was just. And I was desperately trying to find. Uh, 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 like a two-hour block of time uh, where I could go to the Stumptown Comics Fest, and I was just I was never able to do it. Um, but somebody told me that on Saturday, like about 2 p.m., they had actually already surpassed their entire attendance, you know, the attendance for all of last year, which was which is fantastic. It so, is fantastic. It's I mean, it's it's a great event. I mean, there were just tons of people there, tons of panels, um, lots of people exhibiting, you know, and Portland's comics community is just so 
lively and concentrated with talent. It was it's a it's a great event. So did you go to the Stumptown Comics Fest uh, in place of seeing Crank Two High Voltage? You know, I was debating: should I go see Crank Two High Voltage or Seventeen again? And I decided neither. <laughs> <laughs> Opted out. These were segments of the popular culture on which you didn't feel the need to report. I did not. You know, no. the thing about Crank Two is it looks so uh, aggressively absurd. Uh, that I think I need to, and I felt bad, man. I figured it was going to open at number one. See, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't really anticipate the strength of the Zach, uh, Efren, Efren? Uh, Efron, 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 Efron. I think it's Zach Efron. Efron. See, and this is, this is why, I mean, you can already tell, this is why I didn't really figure that there was going to be so many people going to see him because I don't, because I'm not like in the high school musical, uh, demo and I, you know, I don't have kids and I don't know if, uh, I don't know if there are uh, little Mrs. Turnquist no. or, or whatever, but, uh, see, so, <laughs> But so I, so I was, uh, you know, I'm kind of on the periphery of that whole thing, and I just figured a movie about a guy with an artificial heart that constantly needs to be charged back up, th- that's a movie that America's going to go see in record numbers, and then they didn't. They so didn't. Now I have to go throw my weight behind it. Uh, well, see now, this week. We, I was, I was asking you because I, I feel like another, you know, every, every week we seem to find another failing of mine in my sort of pop culture, you know, encyclopedia. I have missed the whole Jason Statham Statham. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I believe Ooh, it's. I believe it's Statham. Is that how you pronounce that guy's name? You no, know, I don't know. All I know is in, like the because I don't know him from any of the cool stuff that you do, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. He was like, in the I, bank job. Yeah, I know him from that, like where he's the baby bodyguard or something. That's Vin Diesel, I think. The I don't know. He did it too. <laughs> the baby bodyguard. No, where he did like this horrible movie where um, I can't remember where he's like like trying to. Uh, like uh, stand up for a baby or something. I can't remember. Mind you stand up for a baby. Stand up, no, stand up is for that baby the name of the film? <laughs> stand up for a baby. Come see that guy and stand up for <laughs> a baby. Opening <laughs> everywhere. Boy, this is just a blind leading the mute While he's here. Driving really fast, standing up for the baby. So the, the, here's the <laughs> thing you need to know about Crank Two is that um, is that he receives an artificial heart that runs on an electric charge. No, no, no. But see, but see, even that is just like it's like the tip of the iceberg. This is why it's on my to do list for this week. Because I guess the deal is that thugs steal his actual heart, like organ thieves. He wakes up, heart gone, because somebody has absconded with it for reasons that I think are probably never really adequately explained. But because why? Like what explanation could you receive that would be sufficient? So he, he gets an artificial heart that has a battery that I think only has half an hour of power or something. It's sort of like... You know, so like he's got to be going to that kiosk at PDX where you plug your BlackBerry or something in. That's really an off-brand battery. But, but the, <laughs> deal, the deal is that he's got to uh, find a source of electricity every 30 minutes to keep his heart running. And so just the quintessential moment, the apotheosis of this whole thing comes in the trailer where he finds a guy jumping his car battery or whatever. And he says, like, you've, you've got to charge me or <laughs> something. Some sort of a get off my plane kind and of thing. And Seamus does claim that he does have um, one of those things clamped to his nipple. The one of the the car <laughs> the, 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 the the jumper cables. Uh-huh. Because in the trailer you only see it going on the tongue. That says Rick is wrong with the battery jumper cables being attached only to his tongue. In the preview it shows that one is connected to his tongue and the other is on his man nipple. Well wow. you can't I guess really because if you're viewing a body sort of like a battery, they have to be on separate posts. <laughs> I mean you can't put them both on the tongue. That would be silly, mm. Sarah. Uh, and then the guy turns the key and you just see he goes and just blows him across the parking lot into a fence. And it was at that moment where I turned to my wife and I said, I don't care if you go or not. I am completely seeing this. So it's uh, so that's that is like on the list of stuff I, I got to get done uh, this week. People didn't go see that, but they went to see Zach Efron and his really annoying hair. Well, maybe it was a, all about Matthew Perry. He's he, apparently he was the uh, older one. You know, I, how 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 weird would it 
be to be Matthew Perry right now? I mean, you've had all this success on Friends and you made all this money and now you're in this movie and Zac Efron plays you as a kid. You well, don't even get mentioned in the trailers. Really? Is that true? They don't even they don't even mention him. I thought they they showed him for a second. In the yeah, trailer they show him for a second, but they yeah, didn't but even no say, name. You're right. Starring Matthew Perry. It's they like, just show him for a second because they figured that that's enough for the uh, you know for, for the women of whatever age in the, the audience who will who yeah who will recognize and be like oh yeah Matthew Perry. But they but I guess that maybe like 15 year old girls have no they don't know they don't care. So he's not really. Uh, He's not really a marketing point. God, that really is just like that is very emblematic of the here today, gone later today uh, yeah. cycle that happens in showbiz where I think you're only ever because what was the last movie Matthew Perry was in that anybody anybody paid to see anyone? Uh, mm. Fool's Russian. Ooh, ah. Tim, the last <laughs> Matthew Perry film anybody play, paid to see. I can't remember one of them. I'm trying to remember something he did that was he in the whole nine yards. He was, yeah, with Bruce Willis, and, and then, then he was in the, the whole ten yards. But yeah. I mean, even that was like that was like a decade ago, at least. <laughs> wow. Well, I think we've gotten. I think we've solved the I don't uh, think problem. He does a lot of movies. No, I think he does a lot of Vicodin. I think that's his thing. And he <laughs> I and think he was he did. <laughs> and he was in Studio sixty, that Aaron Sorkin thing. Oh, uh, that's that right, that's right. oh yeah. So God. it's oh. not like he's really packing them in these days. Oh, but hey, speaking of TV shows and pop culture, so Leverage filmed here. Over the weekend, and they blew up a car. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. did you say, oh, yeah? <laughs> I mean, you didn't, you didn't even see Crank 2. Like, I'm supposed to know, you to figure that you know about the car blowing up. They blew up a car last weekend in downtown. No, they're filming their entire second season here. They're going to be here uh, throughout the summer, supposedly. There's 13 episodes. And this is, okay, and this is Leverage, and it stars... Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton, who and I always think is dead, but I guess he's not. And a bunch of people that I really need to look on IMDb. And Tim, I tell you who he was, Timothy Hutt was in the Falcon and the Snowman with uh, Sean Penn. And ordinary people yes. uh, as well. And so, do I mean, do we know anything? I haven't seen uh, the series. I mean, I guess it airs somewhere. It's on TNT. TNT. It's, it's That's supposedly I pretty season. good. I guess it's like an Ocean's Eleven meets Robin Hood kind of a thing. Well, yeah, there's, they're like, I don't know, criminals and miscreants, but they're really brilliant. And so they go after bad guys for some greater good. And I was at this, uh, so I was at this event on Saturday, and the woman who had done the art decoration at the Cleaners, which was this sort of venue that I was that I was at for the you know for the for the record store event, she had been working on leverage. She you know she's here in town, but you know they use you know the local people, and so she was there doing the art design for leverage, and she had to leave in the middle and go set up the store for like nine hours, and then had to go back. And I guess they're shooting. As much as they possibly could, all you know, like it just in one swath. So apparently, she'd been up for like three days or something, you oh, know, in a stretch. Man. And it was, she was just like, I don't know, I'm going to get to bed. And she's like, I'm trying to get as much of the the series filmed as possible. But then somebody told me that they blew up a car. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I guess they they didn't announce it ahead of time because of course then every guy like me is going to they're blowing up a car. I'm going to go stare. So where was it that it happened? Do you know? It was around uh, Broadway and Burnside, and I heard about it because I was seeing a lot of tweets about it on Twitter. And then a girlfriend of mine who works in Big Pink sent me an email saying, the car just blew up. And I mean, was there any, have we seen any footage? Were there any pictures of it or anything that's come out? There were some like Vimeos and things like that popping up on the internet. I saw just people shooting it with Look their Look at you, cell you're phones. all like technologically savvy. I'm so happy. So for, I mean, really, <laughs> that is when you, you know, when you hear about a car and then you hear about said car being exploded, uh, that is the sort of thing that immediately, uh, you know, makes my fingers twitch and I go to Google to try to uh, find oh, up, yeah. uh, find pictures of it. All right. So if anybody 
uh, knows about that or saw it or was there or has a video in any way of said car being exploded, uh, Rick Emerson is uh, is demanding that uh, now. Before we do this, uh, before we head into the break, so you, you do not uh, uh, you you do not know about uh, the ways of uh, of child having apparently. So maybe you're not going to be able to weigh in on this. Did you hear this nine one one call that we played? Yeah, I did. Tim, can you can we rack that up and play that one more time? We so this is from. Just outside of what you said, Grand Grand, Grand Rapids. Rapids yeah. So this is a guy who calls nine one one because what was the initial reason he called Tim? His wife was bleeding in the bathroom, which is never good. Uh, no. So, but then the call just becomes uh, more and more absurd. So let's go ahead and play this. Sir, you're get nine one one. Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife is in the bathroom. Um, she's bleeding all over the place. Um, she thinks she's having a baby. Oh my God, Jerry, get on the, oh, she's ha- in the oh, She's having the baby? I think she's having labor right now. Okay. Oh my God, I can't hear you, ma'am. Oh my God, I'm looking at a baby. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You didn't know she was pregnant? No. No. Okay. I had no idea my wife was pregnant. Okay. Oh my God, my wife is holding a baby. <laughs> What a cavalcade of emotions this must be. Okay. How old is she? Twenty-seven years old. We got. Um, she's she delivered. She's had three children. Two are mine. One is before me. She, she's fine. It's a. Oh my God! I'm looking at a baby. Okay. All right. I'm so, okay. so there's that. So I, I guess we're still trying to figure out exactly how it is that this would come as a shock to everybody. Because, I mean, that's like three quarters of a year. Mm-hmm. I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, nine months is a long time. Well, it seems time. like she's been popping them out pretty consistently. If this is her fourth child and that's, she's 27. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you've if you got four kids uh, now and the fourth one was a total mystery, it stands to reason that maybe the others were a little bit of a shock as well. <laughs> wouldn't you think you'd just start... I don't know, checking under the hood every now and again just to see, uh, you know, uh, sort of what's going on in the what's going on in the engine compartment. You know what I mean? Like, I, you would think that you would think that past evidence would indicate that that might be the kind of thing that might sneak up on you and uh, and be a bit of a surprise. Well, you know, I keep wondering what the nine one one call that Jason Statham Statham would have made when he woke up and found that his heart was gone. There's, there's really, there's no, oh my, and that they take, not only did they take his heart, but that apparently at some point a guy just has an artificial heart laying around, <laughs> but it's not put together all that well. It's only got like half an hour's worth of charge or something, which is like when your friend, like when you, uh, when you realize you haven't charged your cell phone all day and you're going to be driving through the Mojave Desert. And it starts and it, beeping. You go, well, I, I don't know. Maybe if I just turn it off when I don't have to call out. Yeah, I don't know. That happens to me with my, uh, my GPS every now and again. And it's always when I have to drive somewhere that I've never driven to before, and I, you know, and I don't have the car adapter, and I realize that I've forgotten to plug it in, and so I get, I'm like, oh, here I go, Rick Emerson, no sense of direction, driving 700 miles that way with no food or water or supplies of any kind. I can't wait to, and then that's when the thing goes, low battery supply, please charge now. And I look up, and that's just as I have left the final landmark behind me, and it's just it's just a big, big expanse of nothing in every direction. And you know, and then you know, the GPS starts. Oh God, you're never going to make it out of here alive. If I were you, I would try to find shelter immediately before night falls. And you know, so that's it. It seems like if you're going to go to the trouble to build an artificial heart, you probably have batteries, but I don't really know. So, all right, we'll just. Uh, it's fantastic. 
All right. Uh, we will do uh, later on in the hour. We will have a live performance uh, by Queensrÿche uh, coming up. We've also got more news from Tim Riley. We'll talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian when we uh, return. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. Visit KUFO.com right now. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up later on, part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of uh, Spinal Tap and uh, Simpsons fame and so forth. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning. Well, I just found out that underlying conditions can disguise surprise pregnancies. And it shouldn't startle anyone that this happened in Oregon last month. A 38-year-old woman thought she was mental pauses. Mental pauses started having cramps she- and call work to say she was sick. Within an hour, she delivered a baby in her apartment. Oh, my God, I'm looking at a baby. She thought she was menopausal. Well, those oh. <laughs> are really opposite ends of the uh, of the spectrum. Yes. Sort of a yin-yang thing. When you say that there are underlying uh, reasons, you mean girth. I mean, that's it. Like, that's the... Oh, I mean, yes. what if... What if, what well, if, if we want to be that way, well, yes. I'm yes, just yes. saying, if one were, if one's a person of, yes. of, of, if one's a substantial person, mm-hmm. it seems like you might not uh, notice the fact that you've become huge on the inside. It's even more to more to love. Yes, yes, it is, Tim. <laughs> All right. Uh, what what other uh, stories are we tracking for the people today? Well, it's going to be hot today. It could be 80 degrees. A careless smoking leaves several Vancouver apartment dwellers homeless. Today is the 10th anniversary of Columbine. CIA interrogators waterboarded one prisoner 183 times and two 266 more times. Do you suppose they were in a race? Like there were two teams of interrogators and it was like a, whoever gets to 250 first gets like a preferred parking or maybe like a special bathroom pass And or when does the waterboarding beginning, like begin or end? Like is it just like one time down their face or is it like a, like a section? Like is it a half an hour of waterboarding? I, I'm not one? sure of the waterboarding schedule. I haven't seen it posted. That's a, but I mean, what constitutes a waterboarding? That's a really good question. Like, what if we were to waterboard Sarah, uh, you know, for five minutes, but we were to waterboard, uh, Tim for ten minutes? Has Tim really been waterboarded twice, or is each of them just one notch? I'd ask for it again. Is there some we sort need of a list of rules? Is there an IOC panel of judges that sort of sits there and they hold up like an 8.5 uh, as your sort of, and who decide, and first of all, like what is it? Because it, it's a drowning thing, right? Because they, they where they put you. Tie you're to trying a... to breathe, but they're like pouring water in your mouth and up your nose. So I mean, what but, is? But it? don't they catch on after a while that? Well, this is the waterboarding game again. I the I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, and it seems like, and I wonder if the waterboarding that happens for disparate lengths of time, because otherwise you just be able to figure it out. Like, oh, this is. Well, this they, is a they game. could be a sign waterboarding this way. <laughs> Is it leading you down the hallway? Maybe the waterboarding. Well, it's a physical thing. I think you probably just freak out in your mind. Like even if you know it's going to end, it's still probably like your body reaction. You can't really control. Well, except for this guy, they waterboarded him 183 times. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, can we just? I mean, look, I don't mean to to, to be too on well, the they, nose they about were it. Practicing for the first 100. <laughs> that's they were trying to get it right. <laughs> They, they kept were running out of water. They were they were really uh, they were really trying to uh, trying to figure out exactly the ins and outs of the waterboarding thing. And uh, before before they were just uh, they were just ladling it on uh, slowly, like it was some sort of a torture bouillabaisse. Uh, but then la- they figured out eventually. I mean, wouldn't it, the waterboarding just doesn't make any sense? It seems like way too time consuming. Why wouldn't you just like you start kicking a guy in, in the junk or something? I mean, like I'm not saying you That'd should. That'd be great. I, let's all do it, Tim. <laughs> I'm not advocating that you just start repeatedly kicking a guy in the scrotum, but doesn't it seem faster and sort of less logistically challenging than what are you waterboarding? You got to get a board. You got to get your water. You got to duct tape the guy down or is this recycled water or bottled water? Well, that's the other thing. Are they using actual water? Are they using the same water over and over again? 
Because then it becomes like that dunk tank uh, thing where it's like oh, it's all cloudy and gray and just uh, filled with foreign objects of an unknown providence by the end of Maybe the day. Maybe it's or one something. of those liter bottles. And they use it, and then they recycle it and do it again. Do they have, or maybe it's just like a, maybe they have one of those uh, those power sprayers that like hangs down from the springy thing in the kitchen. You know, like if you go to a restaurant and there's one of the, you squeeze the mm-hmm. handle and it shoots it out or something. And that's the other thing. You think people would catch on and not be afraid? Okay, and if they're waterboarding you, I mean, is it just is it dunking or are they are they actively uh, like shooting water into there's your a face? Barrel full of apples. <laughs> <laughs> and they just hold them up. Bobbing down. for truth, Tim. That's what. Well, I saw the waterboarding exhibit in uh, Coney Island. Really? Was that right next to the Tilt a Whirl? It was hilarious. You have to be this tall to try waterboarding. <laughs> you had to pay a dollar, and then you climbed up onto this giant wooden what box. What do you mean? You saw a waterboarding exhibit? No, it was in Coney Island. If you there. go to the Puyallup Fair, you can be on a ride that collapses on top of you. Would that be more fun? <laughs> Did you win a stuffed animal if you were able to sit like it last for three minutes? No, you had to climb up this platform. Honey, if you really love me, you'll win me something at the waterboarding booth. All right, uh, how much for this panda? Well, you must be waterboarded for three and a half Putting minutes. someone in a hole in the paint wheel? I mean, the, was that right next to the... Uh, uh, here is just a, a large box of aphids in which we're going to just, keep I'm you. I'm finding the picture for you right now. No, you just climbed up this box, you paid a dollar, and all of a sudden this window would open, and you looked at it through bars, and there was just a guy with a watering can, these are like mannequins, standing over a mannequin strapped to a table, and then once you pay the dollar, water starts coming out of the watering can and going onto the other mannequin's face, and he just think starts shaking. I that's a clinical demonstration of waterboarding. That sounds like a Hall of Presidents but, kind you know, of waterboarding. But, you know, it sounds like something know. on HGTV. <laughs> In what way does it sound like something on HD? What are you watching at home that it sounds like something on HGTV? It's curb appeal. What kind of weird the channels are you uh, are you getting? All right, oh, so here I have a picture of the water. Where's that old uh, brutalizing channel? I uh... <laughs> so that's what it looked like. No, that's just ridiculous. That's just a guy <laughs> with a. That's a guy in a hoodie just holding a bucket. Has that guy been run over by a steamroller? <laughs> no. no this guy's all blindfolded and tied down to the table, and then he just starts violently shaking for a dollar. And then you watch a guy sprinkle. He's violently water shaking for a dollar. It, so, it looks like a head attached to empty long underwear. What is that? Uh, <laughs> Well, so there you go. It was well worth a dollar. I think <laughs> it was. That's money well spent. It's for the children. I think children. we can say in the grand totality of things, anything that has been done 183 times and hasn't yielded any information might be reasonably said to be an inefficient means of extracting facts from people. So, facts? It, Why do they have to be facts? Because at a certain point, I mean, do you suppose they were even keeping track? You know, were they? Was, I mean, did they have like a little clicker? Or something, or like a spreadsheet where they were keeping, uh, you know, they're keeping notes on how many waterboard. And it, and you you got to wonder if at a certain point it also becomes like a cool hand Luke thing. Maybe they just scanned them as as they came back in. Maybe, or they were they had like a barcode on them. Or, you know, I wonder if they began just kind of you know, rooting for the guy almost at one point. You know what I mean? And wouldn't you think that it becomes almost like a morning Sam, morning Ralph sort of a dynamic where they're both kind of clocking in and morning, you know, the, the, the morning Khalil, the morning Ted, uh, you know, and then like. You know, Ted's got to put on his executioner's mask, and he's got to, like, uh, you know, and he's got to put on, like, you know, the big gloves. Oh, like and some WWF thing. T- turn on a huge, a huge, bl- turn on a huge blazing light in the right of the Valkyries music in the room. and That sounds reasonable. Khalil's got to put on a pair of, like, plastic diapers and have nipple clamps placed on him, and then, all right, Yankee dog, let us begin. And then we will stop for a light lunch. And some woman from Kentucky laughing and pointing. <laughs> Seriously, Lindy England for the win. All right. Uh, Whatever became of her? I don't know. She's she's selling auto parts. She never parts got a reality somebody. show or anything. Boy, you know you know the thing about her. She looked like um, 
She looked like an even less cute version of what Danny Bonaducci looked like uh, in the Partridge Family. Lindy England, she was the one. She was that uh, that Rube uh, who was like busy pointing at the guy's uh, junk in the camera in, in the photo, the 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 Iraqi prisoner or whatever he was at one point. And she just and she had, she kind of looked like um, kind of looked like a really unappealing Campbell's Soup kid. That's the thing I remember about her. Uh, well, all maybe right. she found it more appealing than anything your hometown offered her. When she was back in the States. This waterboarding segment has really gone very long. Um, so it was sort of uh, running behind here before we before we do this. So Christy Turnquist, um, well, have to, we had a whole conversation about moonlighting that I was going to get to, but that'll probably have to uh, to wait. But I know you are working on, and I would not even heard of this, it's Rose City Vaudeville. Yes. Which is a thing that uh, I hadn't heard of. I hadn't heard of it either, but... Uh, but you been... had me at fire eating. <laughs> Apparently there's fire twirling or eating or dancing awesome. or something. There's fire twirling. It's this troupe of, of intrepid Portlanders who are um, doing Rose City vaudeville. So they're doing sort of old-timey kinds of acts, you know, like a guy comes out in sort of a Frank Sinatra fedora and does a tap dance. Really good, actually. And then for the big finale, there's fire. And, like, batons, they look like batons, are sort of lit on fire and whirled around the room. And then for the big finish, this uh, this woman named Baby Doll hula hoops a flaming hoop. How close to the audience is this fire? Because I can see this obtaining a press coverage or perhaps a way they're not anticipating. I was a little surprised that the that the sprinklers didn't come on. They I, I guess it's something. okay as long as she's not wearing a grass skirt. She was wearing a skirt. I kept thinking that skirt is going to go up any minute. But so she's wearing a skirt and she's hula hooping fire. Yeah. Excellent. I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, with the lights all dimmed and everything, it was very dramatic. I love Portland. Yeah. All right, so this is a piece you were working on that will appear at some point in the uh, yes. in the very near future. In the very near future. All right, so uh, the next time you join us, we have to talk about what is in your, uh, not your DVD collection such, but your DVD uh, collection of television shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we have to, uh, you'll have to bring in a, a list so we can pass judgment upon uh, you and all that uh, all that you watch. I'm happy to submit my list for your judgment. All right, you've got it. And at some point, we all, I mean, we all have to just make a pact that we're going to see a crank too, because I... <laughs> I suspect that it's going to become a part of the common cultural lexicon <laughs> in this country. I feel like it's now my duty to go see this movie. Don't you feel like there ought to be a speaker just wrapping this up, bringing it back to the beginning? Don't you feel like there ought to be some sort of a little like a little flash waterboarding game you can play on on your computer like at work? Like a sort of slack moments when you're done with Minesweeper? Where there's just sort of a that'd be know, great if you could play it at work. I mean, you know, there's like yeah, there's like some sort of like a little like that bejeweled dazzle game or whatever they have at Yahoo or so, you know. But it's but it's sort of like a uh, just like a little desktop or an iPhone application. Well, if it's in Portland, it needs to be kind of sustainable waterboarding. Yeah, just to be a, completely uh, filtrated and distilled waterboarding. See, oh. I still I think that you're kind of like downplaying waterboarding. I think that you should have to try waterboarding. No, see. That's the sort of thing I'm not going to do, and that's the sort of thing that CBS Legal uh, probably would not approve at this point. But it would be that's the thing that Entercom would do. But if you're, you're, you're in your pajamas, no, I'm not. I mean, you could. It children. could be for education for the public. I mean, who are we to say? Like, we're, you know, we don't want to have any doubts in our government. Like, you could prove to us that you know it is effective. I, but see, but see, it's clearly not though. That's the thing. They waterboarded that guy 183. Either that or somebody just doesn't understand. Like, they they confused it with back massage somehow. You know, where they walk in and he's just gently kneading his toes like fleshy pink grapes. And they say, what are you doing? I'm waterboarding him. No, Bob, you're no, it's the wrong memo. That's this is waterboarding right here because it, it, I it sounds awful to me. It sounds awful. But I mean, have have they considered that perhaps they are not waterboarding a terror suspect, but they are waterboarding TV's Patrick Duffy as the man from Atlantis? Ooh. No one has no one has considered that. No, nobody has considered that. Oh my God, I'm looking 
looking at a baby. Excellent. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 uh, KUFO. Sarah, shall I uh, play us out here? I think you shall. All right. Uh, straight ahead, news from Tim Riley coming up next hour, part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame. Um, this is from Saturday. Uh, Queensryche, of course, performed at the Roseland on Saturday uh, night. And before that, they did an exclusive uh, set for some KUFO listeners who had one uh, uh, entree to that uh, through the week. So we'll start this off with, uh, with one uh, question that I have for Jeff Tate, which is something that I had heard all the way through high school and beyond that he finally clears up. And then uh, an exclusive acoustic performance of Silent Lucidity. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Queensryche from Saturday's uh, acoustic performance for KUFO. I had read somewhere, Jeff, and this might be this might be false. This might be like that time that somebody told me you learned to sing by studying anatomy books, which is a thing that like my Maybe. friends all we all it was like, no, no, no. He got these. He went to the library and he got these books on human anatomy, like the larynx and stuff, and he would just like look at him, and that's how he learned to sing. Which I seems insane. I don't well, know actually, why. You know, to, to all rumors, there is a small bit of truth to that. And yes, I used diagrams, but it was through a vocal teacher who had charts and maps and. You know, circles and arrows, all that. <laughs> you know, this is the diaphragm. You know. Really, at the risk of sounding like a colossal nerd, you have no idea how long I've been waiting to know the answer to that. So, thank you. Um, you know, we've got some songs, and we want you to hear them. And so that was kind of the, the beginning of uh, Queensryche at that point.
It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is uh, Monday morning. Still to come this hour, we have uh, uh, part one of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of uh, Simpsons and Spinal Tap uh, fame. Uh, this is Rick. I don't know if you've seen that video where Christopher Hitchens gets waterboarded, but up until I witnessed that, I always thought waterboarding was like that game at the fair where you aim a water gun at a clown head and then you hit them in the mouth with a stream of water and the balloon pops and you win a prize. It's apparently nothing like that. Uh, and then he says... I thought this is what Sarah was referring to, but apparently fairs have gotten a bit more morbid since I went to one. If you just pay someone and then watch somebody else get waterboarded. What the hell kind of fair was she going to? <laughs> that is a good one. Like, they didn't even make you do well, the it was waterboarding Coney Island. yourself. It was, it was part of the freak show. Yes, I, I would say so. <laughs> In New a, York, everything's a little bit tougher. It's indeed. A, but it's like, but it's weird. It's like this, it's like, it's like a weird, it's like a Kitty Genovese ride or something where you pay a dollar and then you watch something horrible to happen to somebody else and you remain indifferent. You know, it's welcome to indifference world. And then you go and there's just a guy being beaten in the face with a pipe and you kind of go, well, that's great. Let's get a candied apple. 
Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. There's been another monkey biting. This one happened at a Salem Park. Police are looking for a man and his monkey. After the beast bit a six-year-old girl at Salem's Waterfront Park over the weekend. Uh, the police sergeant there says he's confident the man and his monkey who was wearing a diaper. I'm not sure if the man and the monkey was wearing a diaper. Will be found. The little girl is taking antibiotics. Police say uh, the man and his monkey run a park bench. A crowd gathers. The little girl asks the man, may I pet your monkey? <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. I didn't know that was coming. And he said, yes, go ahead and pet my monkey. Well, the monkey became agitated and jumped at the little girl, bit her in the finger. Uh, an Oregon Zoo spokesperson said the animal likely was scared and uh, shouldn't have been taken out in public. Well, maybe, uh, was there a parent there? Uh, it doesn't say. Maybe if there was a parent there, the parent ought not to let their kid go to, you know, toward animals uh, that it doesn't know all that well. Like, I don't let anybody, uh, you know, I don't let kids uh, pet my dog. Nope. I don't let kids get any. No, I, mean, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not that Max is going to bite anybody or Philo. I mean, Philo just sit there and cower himself into a puddle probably. But I mean, uh, but kids come up and they're like, you know, hey, can I pet your dog? And I always just say, well, he's a little grumpy, even though he's not probably going to do anything. You know what? I'm not going to be the guy uh, that ends up where the dog takes a piece out of some preschooler or something. So, you know, maybe if you're a parent, uh, maybe you could. I don't know. Of all the things to ask, don't ask about a monkey. Really, honestly, and and you know, they have a bad bad record for safety anyway. Well, wouldn't you have to like? You'd probably have to specially register a monkey. Couldn't they go through the monkey database? And- it's an ex- the monkey database. <laughs> Is that where like she's looking at the mugshots or whatever? Honestly, it's kind of fine. How many monkeys are registered in Portland? Then track them down. Well, but are they registered or are they? Do we have something where they are exotic to, pets? They have to take yes. a monkey test to be to get a license. They have to. DMV. There's. Uh, we, there's some exotic pet thing, but they're going to be closing that loophole, so you're going to be able to get yes. those or whatever. But so I you mean, can still get a monkey for now, if you hurry. You know, but in the meantime, remember, hey, parent isn't just a noun, also a verb. I know you do your job, huh? All right. Here's Tim Riley. It's going to be hot today where you are. Portlanders will be seeing a warm-up. It's going to stick around for a while. Temperatures could exceed 80 degrees today and stay warm for the next several days as well. Make sure you water your garden. This is the kind of day you want a waterboarding, Tim. I would imagine so. Anyway, a careless smoker caused a late-night fire in an apartment uh, complex in the Couve. Apparently, it was due to somebody smoking. It caused $300 worth of damage. See, here's another argument for those e-cigs. Oh, by the way, sons of bitches, uh, apparently the FDA is now already trying to get those things taken off the market. Why does this always happen to me? I just This is like how I uh, join uh, Twitter and then, like a day and a half later, Larry King ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then, damn Oprah! Uh, she did the um, she did her first tweet or Twitter posting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Did you see how she got completely schooled by uh, of all people, Shaquille O'Neal? So great thing that happened over the weekend. Uh, two things. One, three things. One. So uh, Sarah and I began using the Twitter thing, which actually I have to say is, is actually uh, quite cool. So you've taken to it more than I have. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Twitter. Do you know why I like it? Because it lets me uh, update people sort of immediately if something cool is going to happen. Like in a few minutes, I'm going to send one out that says, hey, don't forget, part one of that Harry Shearer interview is going to play in like five minutes. Be listening. I like that. And I figure if they don't... And here's the other thing. I figure if people don't want to receive that stuff, they'll opt out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They can just block it or they won't receive it or whatever, and I'll see that they're no longer getting my Twitter updates. So, um, you know, or like on Saturday, I'm like, hey, uh, Sam Adams is doing a DJ set downtown. I'll be up next. Come by and check it out if you want or whatever. Um, so we join... And then Larry King it began, you know, I am racing Ashton Kutcher to one uh, billion uh, tweeters. Uh, please now to. Uh, and, he, you know, he started doing his thing. And then on Friday, I guess, Oprah. You I, know, ha- I have the Oprah soundbite. 
Do you have? Okay, mm -hmm. let's do the Oprah soundbite, and then I'll tell you what happened after that. So about a month ago, I introduced you to my Facebook page. I just just got on Facebook. <laughs> well, now I've joined Twitter. Okay, everybody, here's my first. It's called a tweet. Okay. Oh. God. Okay. Here Get goes me. my first yeah. one. Okay. Here we okay. go. Ashton <laughs> is okay. next. Oh. Woo! I don't know. She tweeted. It's like she's being potty trained. <laughs> no. Way to tweet, Oprah. Good girl. Who tweets? Tweet sounds uncomfortably close to something else. It does. It Seriously. really does. The um, I don't want to think about Oprah tweeting. Well, doesn't it seem like it? Doesn't it seem like any moment the, uh, the like South Park is gonna uh, is gonna unload on no, the just, on it's, the Twitter it's phenomenon? Ridiculous. It's such a stupid word. It is well because and it's gonna be just like I mean this, it'll be just like Guitar Hero. Uh, where you know that has become lame as soon as South Park, uh, just as soon as they go after it. Uh, where, what was it, where Mr. Marsh was playing the, he's playing the, the um, Carry On My Wayward Son, and they're doing that real guitars are for old people uh, thing. But here's the deal. So um, Oprah sends out her first tweet, and who is the person, bless you. Bless you. Right? Who is the person standing next to Oprah that actually chirps like a bird when she says tweet? Is that one of her lackeys? It could be. I, I didn't watch the program. What is your job? My job is to stand next to Oprah and make uh, on-the-fly verbal sound effects, Michael Winslow style, whenever she sends a Twitter. So she sends out that first Twitter, and she does so in all caps. And so immediately after that, Shaquille O'Neal posts something. He's like, Oprah, your caps lock is on. Turn it off. <laughs> Which is, like, fantastic. I mean, it was like... That's th amazing. 30 seconds later, Shaquille O'Neal is like, you're shouting, turn off your caps. Thanks, Shaq. And you know what? Good for him. It was. I mean, I hate it, it when people type in all caps. Oh, I saved a screen capture of them. Like Shaq owns Oprah.jpg. Wonderful. Uh, anyway, so were you twittering right now? No. <laughs> was no. that for Oprah? I did update my uh, my Facebook page. See, because I'm uh, more old school Facebook. I think the gating on your uh, microphone needs to be uh, raised a little bit. What's it, wrong with it? The, because it, like I, the keyboard uh, uh, typing right now was sort of like boom, boom. Maybe it's a card that it's a continuous loop that plays. No, it's not. It's just I think there's the, uh, the gating, which is a, a sound level at which the microphone uh, cuts off ancillary noise. Oh. It's like it's become sort of like weird ad hoc omnidirectional microphone. Um, oh, it's just supposed to be directional, I think right? you're a powerful typer, too. I think when you type, I think you actually, because you do it she properly. She has a special keyboard. Well, it's that's elevated. the thing. It's like a, it's, a, it's an ergonomic keyboard, too. Mm. So um, anyway, so uh, anyway, so yeah, so Shaquille O'Neal uh, does that. Which was just, which was deeply, deeply satisfying to watch. And then, who else did I see this weekend that immediately began, they were sending out something? It was somebody really bizarre, it was like John Lithgow or somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, John Lithgow is now sharing his thoughts with the public. It's all very, uh, Have you been following, um, who were you following that was depressing? Richard you? Quest? Oh, oh God, Brent Spiner. Yeah, Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner, who is data on Star Trek The Next Generation. And it was a lot of, like, got dropped by my agent. Hmm, behind on house payments. Got offered $10,000 to dress up in Star Trek uniform for bat mitzvah. <laughs> Have decided not to do it. We'll dress up as a pizza slice instead. We'll be dancing around dressed up like Statue of Liberty. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. So here's the other bizarre thing. So uh, Hulk Hogan is trying to clear up all this misunderstanding about him uh, fantasizing about being O.J. He didn't mean it. He's uh, taking the high road, and here's his comment. You know, there's that male instinct that you'd love to get him in the ring. I could have even went out and been like O.J. Simpson, but I chose not to. 
I chose to take the high road. I'm doing great. And that's what the article was ta- was all about, was how am I putting up with all this craziness? And the writer asked me, oh my gosh, didn't you ever want to flip out? Didn't you ever want to do the Hulk Hogan like in the ring? I said, of course. But he didn't. What a catch. What a prize he is. Right, ladies and gentlemen, Hulk Hogan. His wife is uh, deadly afraid of him. I've been afraid of him for a long time. He's just so unpredictable. I just need to stay away from him. Are you going to, like, perhaps uh, place a restraining order against him? Um, I think my lawyer has that effect in the works, yes. Like how you asked about the replacing a restraining order sounds like Kenneth from 30 Rock. And it, did, and it sounds like he's speaking underneath a raincoat or something, like yeah. there's some sort of rumbling happening there. And some sad news for everyone here in the uh, radio field and for all the listeners to Kink as well. Les Sarnoff, the 60-year-old radio personality and voice of Kink's morning show for decades, passed away Friday evening after a battle with cancer. He served as the morning host at Kink for 22 years and had been a familiar voice on the air in Portland ever since he began his career at KGON in 1974. It is the uh, Rick Emerson Show still to come. We have uh, uh, Harry Shearer. We will have uh, part one of our exclusive three-part uh, interview uh, with Harry Shearer. We do want to take a uh, moment here to wish a happy uh, one-day belated birthday to Brent Brizendine, who is engineering this very fine radio program as we speak. Happy birthday, Brent. Happy, a, little, uh, a little something I'll, uh, in lieu of our usual uh, birthday wishes. Brent, uh, this one is from all of us to you. Born to be bold, I'm the sign of the brave One hero alone with a whole world to save I am the story of honor and glory I'll stand up and fight when I know I am right I will not be afraid I will lead the parade I am, I am, I am the ram I am, I am, I am the ram Can't sit by the fire. I need mountains to climb. I set the pace and I've I got one of these for every rest. sign of the zodiac. I want to hear the Libra one. Because I want the best. Should I look Are you Libra? No yeah. I had to look up uh, what, what are you, uh, Pisces, from right? Pisces. How did I know that? Because um, we've known each other for a decade and have no other friends. Well, speaking for myself, anyway. This is catchy. He never says, uh, he, he never, never says, says Aries. Aries. Well, maybe it doesn't rhyme with anything. I am Aries. Oh, there we go. I know how to show my ego. I am, I am the Ram. Right, there you go, that's it. I am, I am. The Aries song. Just, and just, I don't typically do this, but this is just for you. So this is Libra you are? Yes, well, let me indeed. Just a little, I'll just play a little bit of this. Lib, lib, libra, lib, 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 big streams in life are all around. Scales more so than me. 
There you go. Thank you, Rick. Happy birthday in advance. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. And that is uh, Know Your Enemy by Green Day from their upcoming CD. 21st Century. Do we say CD? Album? Record? That's a good question. What right, sp- I think the album is still the word of the medium that See, it comes on. I said that. I had a PD one time. Um, this was back in like maybe 94. When I was on the air, when I was talking about something or other, I was talking about the new whatever record was coming. Hey, the new ACDC album's coming out. You know, this is off the new ACDC album. And he uh, chastised me for it. And he's like, dude, he started everything with dude. And it was he was just a smug, a smug bastard like you've never known. He just, <laughs> just a, and the sort of, and the sort of smugness where you were just, you just, your hands just itched for a golf club and a soundproof room. Um, but I said, hey, the new uh, ACDC album, and he's like, dude, we don't say album anymore, dude. You say CD. The new ACDC CD is out. I, I think he's wrong. See, but that's, but even if he was right then, he's almost certainly wrong now. Let's quickly go around the room. What do we call it? A new, uh, a new release from Green. A new full-length release is what? I say new album. Tim? I say album. All right. We're all going to say album. There you yes. go. What does iTunes call it? I think they say album as well. Yeah, I think it's album and because iTunes it kind of embraces it. everything. Because I think album is figurative. It's not like a, a you know, that it could be. Uh, an album is a collection of any kind. That's mm-hmm. right. It's a euphemistic thing. Yes. All right. And Tim Riley at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. So it's going to be very hot, hot, hot today. It's uh, 52 currently. It's going to be in the 80s. So be ready for that. Make sure those air conditioners are working. Going to need them because it's going to be hot the next few days or so. All of the victims of the collapse of a children's ride at the Puyallup Spring Fair have been released from hospitals. Five kids went adult went to the hospital after the ride called the Lolly Swing broke and fell on its side Friday evening. Just ruined everybody's weekend. Lolly, lolly, get your fractures here. The uh, the ride did pass a uh, state safety inspection last Wednesday. Investigators think it was on top of soggy ground. You think that maybe they could have... I mean, I was saying that you don't really anticipate that, but I mean... You think you might check into that before you decide to put up a huge metal whirly thing that spins children around at high rates of speed. You know, like maybe see if it's on a thing that's leaning and marsh-like. What do I know? Well, that's what happened anyway. Uh, oh, the town of Orting, Washington, says it has no regrets about its decision earlier this month to simply ban dangerous dogs. Some local jurisdictions allow aggressive breeds or individual dogs as long as they're securely muzzled or penned and their owners have purchased a $500 permit. The Orting mayor uh, says the city saw no point in partial measures, so uh, dog owners can still appeal dangerous designations to Orton's police chief and keep dangerous dogs, if you wanted to. The B of A says they posted a first quarter profit, suspecting, uh, well, apparently they thought they were going to do badly, but they earned $2.81 billion. But isn't this sort of like a sandbagging thing where to su- surpass expectations, you really just have to be in business from mm-hmm. day to day? I mean, like if you show up and your key still works, you've kind of exceeded what everybody anticipated. And GM will get rid of 1,600 workers over the next few days. No surprise there. Then there's this uh, terrible lottery story from Florida. Apparently, somebody went to... Oh, it's not... Why do I always think bad things can Florida? Not all the <laughs> bad, bad things, things can always do, Tim. Well, this is Alabama, oh. which usually well, runs a close second. That's, uh, that's you know, that's like Florida. So somebody went into the uh, library there in this small town in Alabama and urinated on 41 books. Naturally, the, uh, the mayor and the police chief are outraged. This is a filthy and despicable act of vandalism i uh i People think often go to the library to read the bible i think in uh i think in alabama tim you're you're thinking of a library a library yes possibly so 
Uh, then there was the uh, Miss California pageant person who was in the Miss USA pageant, and she's talking about uh, same-sex marriage. Well, kind of, anyway. We live in a land that you can choose same-sex marriage or opposite marriage. Why does everything now have to have that Mark Burnett music underneath it, as though you're weighing whether or not to give Regis your final answer? Because that's exactly the same music that was underneath what's her guts the uh, and like with the Iraq, and they don't have access to maps mm-hmm. and the whatever and the so forth with the Iraq. So it's it's all got that same. And now the next person to receive a rose is or whatever. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Then there's John McCain's daughter talking about the Republicans. I think we're seeing a war brewing in the Republican Party right now. But it's not between us and the Democrats. It's not between us and liberals. It's between the future and the past. I believe most people are ready to move on to that future. Here's the thing about the thing about uh, about Meghan McCain is that it, I, she must be doing this as some sort of a counter acting agent against Sarah Palin, because Sarah Palin, even though she hasn't officially announced and obviously wouldn't for some time, um, She's obviously positioning herself as the leader of the Republican Party. So Meghan McCain, I think there's no love lost between the two of them from, from what I've read. So I think Meghan McCain is trying to insert herself right now. Like some Republican cat fight? Well, yeah, but or to be like the new face of the Republican Party. Because I think the Republicans realize they got to change a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, because you just can't have a bunch of, uh, you know, nitwits downtown screaming about tea bags, uh, you know, and just to try to sort of, you know, to try to change everything that way. That's uh that's just not going to work. Um, it worked for about an hour last week it, until everybody forgot. I mean, and don't, didn't you get the sense that that was, I hate to say, Tempest in the, tea, the teapot, but I mean, it, it was a fabricated thing that all of the excitement about the tea protesting, that it was all, it was just like a construct. It was this contrived news event that really didn't have any buzz except that, you know what it was? That tea event on Friday was like the the Twittering thing, which is where they claim that it's something everybody's doing, but clearly it's just people in the media doing it to each other. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just one big daisy chain uh, of just media people and low-level celebrities all speaking to each other about something that really nobody on the outside cares about, which is, I think, what that tea protest is like. Uh-huh. So Meghan McCain, though, is obviously positioning herself as some sort of operative. Here's the thing. I don't really care about any of that, but the point is, because she's doing that, I'm sensing that there is a book in the offing from her. I just I sent it in my bones that there'll be a book by Meghan McCain, which means there'll be a book tour by Meghan McCain, which means I could get her to sit right here in this chair next oh, to me. Oh, that's just creepy. You, you wouldn't have Meghan sit. What? I have no desire to meet Meghan McCain. I didn't command anybody to sit, nor would I, Tim. That's not the way you would. You just went like that, and you creepily slapped the stool like she's gonna sit right here. Maybe that's the way Dad right handles it. To me. This morning, Rick Emerson slapping the stool. Should we move on? I think we should. Honda is unveiling a dog-friendly car. You're going to be able to buy a pet-friendly car with a cushioned dog bed in the trunk, fitted with a built-in water bowl and a fan and a wrap to help less agile dogs climb right in. In the trunk? Yeah. It seems like a bad idea to be putting uh, your dog in the trunk. This is uh, an easy-to-wash seat cover, a fitted dog bed with restraints to keep Sammy safe. Is that the new Fido? (laughs) So restrain your dog and put it in your trunk? Yes. In the event of a crash... There's a Paul logo on the side. Honda said the car would go on sale across the United States in the fall. Is the trunk air-conditioned or something? Because it seems like... Uh, that seems really dangerous. That seems unpleasant. Yeah, let's see Is here. it like a hatchback trunk, like one of the Subaru trunks or something? I guess so. Uh, so the Humane Society is going to look into this and see if they like it or not. So it might right. be too soon to tell. Just the, the FYI, People totally... People put their kids in the trunk. Well, we that's... We read about it all the time. Well, but... Uh, Eventually, they do get out. But those are those are kids, Tim. We're talking about dogs here. Oh, there is a difference, isn't there? Yes, there is. 
Uh, you want to get rid of your belly fat once and for all? Eat blueberries. Lots of them. That's a message from the Blueberry Council of America. Really? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. The Blueberry Council of America had that. No, they, they uh, fed rats uh, blueberries continuously, which were prone to obesity. There's a uh, low-fat group, a high-fat group, and a regular diet group that act as a control. The control rats didn't get any blueberry in their daily grub. <laughs> After 90 days, the two groups were very happy indeed. <laughs> the rats lost all their belly fat and lowered the fat cholesterol. They sorry, I shouldn't even have laughed they at that. They improved the rats' abilities to handle the delicate glucose and insulin balance that caused diabetes. So these rats are no longer diabetic, and they're slim and trim. Here's the thing. You don't care about any of this. You only wanted to be able to say very happy indeed. That's that's the whole thing. There's no, the, the, the stuff surrounding that creamy center of a pun is completely pointless to you. You have no interest in rats or berries. Well, did you know that the blueberries made up only 2% of the rats' daily diet? No, I didn't, Tim. The humans barely get that. Eat more blueberries. And then go Start off to the, the juicing room, Violet. <laughs> All right. It is the... By the way, I didn't make it. I didn't do any of these waterboarding puns that I had earlier. That would have been inappropriate. So I'll leave all For the who? I was, Well, I mean, just I didn't think that... I didn't think we were... I didn't think it was... Uh, didn't think we were in a punning mode today. But apparently I was... Uh, apparently no, I was wrong. You can do as you please, I suppose. All right. I'm just picturing after like the, you know, the 150th uh, time Blueberry. that they tried yeah. that. You know, and then the terrorist still hadn't confessed. If he just started to be really waterboard with the whole thing. Oh, no, no, no. Not very So funny. Rick Emerson Schoen, Rock 101 KUFO. So coming up here in just a, a few minutes, we have part one of our three-part interview with uh, Harry Shearer, uh, a comedy legend. So yesterday I was here kind of getting ready for that because he was doing a broadcast from this studio, actually. And I was uh, in my office kind of getting ready and preparing. And uh, one one doesn't wish to be low on energy when one is going to be speaking with a comedy legend. So I had myself, it was like a it was like a toasted Southwestern chicken sandwich uh, that Lara had uh, had made. And I brought it with me. And then right on top of it, uh, Secret Aardvark hot sauce, uh, which was fantastic. And the great thing about it is you can put it on, I mean, maybe not literally like everything, uh, but you can put it on almost anything to which you would add a spice, a condiment, extra flavoring. Uh, because it has just the right blend of spices and heat so that it adds to the flavor without covering the flavor. It augments the taste without masking the taste. Which is like, you know, you put ketchup on something, everything tastes like ketchup. Uh, if you get some of that hot sauce that is just, you know, where the whole point is that it's so hot that you can, like, show off to your guy friends, like, hey, this sauce you can't actually eat. Isn't it great? You can't put it on anything. I know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, this is not that. This is a sauce that is actually usable. Now, don't, don't have any illusions about this. It's, it's hot. I mean, it's got a real punch to it. It's got a kick to it. But it's all natural habanero. And then, of course, there's a tomato. There's onion. A little bit of vinegar in there. And it's blended together. It's got a Caribbean Southwestern flavor. And you can find out more about it at secretardvark.com with two A's. Secretardvark.com. It is available at all New Seasons markets in Portland area Whole Foods. But you go to the website. You can find out where you can buy it and what restaurants are serving. And, of course, if you go to a restaurant or a store and you don't see it, you got to ask for it. Secretardvark.com. Secretardvark.com for Secret Aardvark habanero hot sauce. One sauce to rule them all. The Rick Emerson Show returns. What a catastrophe. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. We just spoke with uh, program director Chris Paddock, who was uh, in attendance last night at the Unwigged and Unplugged performance by Harry Shearer, Christopher uh, Guest, and Michael McKean. They're on the road with that. You can find out more about it at Unwigged. 
dot com. So uh, I had the the, the very uh, sincere pleasure of uh, spending some time with Harry Shearer yesterday. We're going to do a three part interview uh, today. We focus primarily on Spinal Tap and the enduring legacy of that band, its creation, and so forth. Uh, without further ado, uh, this is part one of our interview with Harry Shearer. You on this tour, you and Christopher Guest and Michael McCain are not performing. In character, you're, you are performing as, performing as yourselves is the wrong way to put it, I suppose, but it, No, it's, that's exactly the, way, the right way to put it. We are performing, I mean, we're performing as characters named Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer, which, you know, are, are interesting for us to explore for the first time, because we've never thought, well, what do they, what do they do when they get on stage? What, are, what how do they play these songs? Because we're playing the songs from Spinal Tap and Mighty Wind. We, you know, we're even, uh, spent way too much time thinking about, well, what do these guys wear? It's like, you know, it's like uh, we should be wearing bracelets uh, with uh, WWWD. What would we do? What was the impetus uh, for going out sans persona or sans constructor persona anyway? Uh, partly it's the desire to avoid repetition because we've done uh, a couple of Spinal Tap tours and we've done a, a tour, as the, a couple tours as the Folksman. And so just we'd done a couple of these things in in odd situations like chris had an evening uh at the museum of modern art and he said well, why don't you guys come along and and we'll do some songs and talk and we did it and and people seemed to enjoy it and we seemed to enjoy it uh and partly it's just this is not the right economy to be going around doing a big rock and roll show with three semis and trying to pay for it with you know 75 dollar ticket prices it seems to me do you think in some alternate universe you would have become a a full-time musician no, no. Um, I didn't spend enough time, you know, playing music as as a teenager to have done that. You know, I think if you if you if you're not in your room practicing your instrument, you should pardon the expression uh, a lot during uh, <laughs> your teenage years, then uh, you, you don't have a prayer of doing it. If you're not Brian Wilson, staying up for 21 hours yeah. a day and playing piano till yeah. your fingers are nubs, yeah, or guitar guys, you know, just just playing like crazy all night long, every night, you know. It seems, uh, maybe not obvious, but it, it seems at least semi-obvious in retrospect that, that Spinal Tap, uh, a movie covering that, that ground, would be made, released, and and be a hit. But, it, but at the time, it seems a real uphill push. It was everything but obvious. Uh, every Hollywood studio turned us down. They looked at us uh, goofy-eyed when we, we came in with like a 20-minute demo of the film, and they just, at the, when the lights came up in, this, in their offices, they said, what was that? Well, this would be a feature film, you see. We would make it longer. And be... Well, what do you mean? And then basically they just say, well, rock and roll movies don't make money. Get out of here. And uh, you don't often get this kind of satisfaction. Uh, so one tends to uh, cleave to it. Uh, about eight years after uh, we finally got the movie made, some of the same jerks who had said, get out of our office, this will never make money, were running after us with fistfuls of dollars saying, would you please make a sequel? And we got to say no to them. That must be satisfying. That was very sweet. Yeah. As I say, you rarely in life do you get to actually turn it around on the very same a-holes who've tormented you, you know. Is it hard to stay in a comedic frame of mind when you're trying to get the project going and keep it going? Well, part of the the trick in, in both... Show business, and and I I wrote one novel. I may write another one, and it's it's true there too. Is you have to have this, and it's sort of almost a, a mental acrobat's trick of freeze drying your enthusiasm and being able to thaw it on demand. You know, you have to be able to put your your love for the project uh, 
on hold and put it away so that it doesn't gnaw at you as you keep thinking, why am I not allowed to do this? Mm-hmm. And then when the magical yes comes, you're able to like free, uh, you know, thaw it instantly and just have the love for it that you had when you first thought of the idea. That is a, a, a mental trick and it, it's sort of necessary to avoid burning up with bitterness over the delays. Well, there's probably almost a, there's a, a demarcation within yourself where you have to keep, I would think, that that spark, that enthusiasm, just sealed away so that it is not just destroyed by mm-hmm. what is a very, uh, a very uh, a corrosive business, business. a corrosive business. Uh, Unlike radio, of course. No, of course. Now, radio is its sunshine and lollipops <laughs> and uh, various other Leslie Gore uh, yeah. references. It's a nurturing business, radio. Did uh, it's it's like a uh, it is a warm. It is a warm bat. I've run out of things to. I've run out of analogies. It's a thing within another thing that looms, and then there's a. I'll get Ben Elton to come in and write something funnier for me later. Oh yeah, uh, when he's through writing, uh, we will rock you too. When Spinal Tap was a hit eight years later, and the sort of the guys are in your office going, "Oh, that uh, that Spinal Tarp, that's mm-hmm, great, mm-hmm. and we'd like more." Did it make it easier to get unorthodox projects off the ground? Not for me. Uh, no, I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'd say that was the case uh you know christopher started doing his movies which were certainly unorthodox uh more because of a personal relationship with uh the people at castle rock i don't think uh, you know which which grew out in a way of spinal tap so in, in that sense it was true but i don't think it opened up hollywood to uh in any way to the idea that oh unorthodox is is plausible and can sell i don't think that ever happens i think every uh, Every th- every hit that is a formula hit is treated as proof of the validity of the formula. Every hit that is a fluke is treated as a one-off. The exception that proves the rule. Yeah, and it teaches you nothing. The three of you, Christopher Guest, Michael Bikini, and yourself, your paths seem just inextricably uh, interwoven in a lot of ways. And I, you all... At one time or another, spent uh, spent some time on Saturday Night Live. And we did. We did some time at Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You and which actually leads me to something. It's like a divorce. They always talk about irreconcilable differences, and uh, in show business, they always talk about creative differences, mm-hmm. which is a uniquely tantalizing phrase. Mm-hmm. Can you at least clarify what what that phrase meant when you used it? Well, I I didn't use it. I uh, what happened was, and and sometimes. A couple times in my life, I found out that if you just blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind, uh, it, it it comes uncomfortably close to close to the truth. And so I had just left the show the second time. I was stupid enough to go back, and uh, I I left in the middle of my second season, second and final season there. And I got a phone call the next morning, or I guess Monday morning, from because I left at one forty three a.m. Uh, Sunday morning after a show, and uh, I got a call uh, from an AP guy, Associated Press reporter, at like 10 o'clock Monday morning. And he says, I've just heard, found, we just uh, on the wire that you're, you've left Saturday Night Live and uh, the show says that it's because of creative differences. Do you have any comment? And as I say, I didn't think, I just blurted out, yeah, I was creative and they were different. <laughs> when you went back, did you think you had changed, that they had changed? No, I thought they had changed. I, I don't change. That was a, uh, that was a false uh, assumption. Apparently. It was a, a faulty premise, yes. What was it like to perform as Spinal Tap at the Freddie Mercury uh, tribute concert? You at Wembley Stadium was that uh, was that surreal? Was it hard to fathom that when you looked around and said, "Here, here we are at Wembley"? In in the run up to it, it was really nice. Brian May, the guitarist for Queen, a wonderful guitarist, uh, was really lovely to us. And I, you know, we we get treated really well around rock and rollers. You know, we get treated. 
pretty pretty uh especially by by the rock and roll fraternity so they were great to us um then we you know it being the the tri- tribute to queen we had this song called majesty of rock we came out in ermine robes and took the robes off and and chris started playing the song chris guest as nigel tufnell and no sound came out and there had been rumors that ACT UP was going to sabotage the event because uh, they were angry that Axl Rose was on the bill and they didn't think he was friendly to the gay community. And um, we never found out what really happened, but my surmise was that, that you know, we were, the, we were the unwitting victims of that. It took about – well, it because the crew looked at us as if it were our joke. Right, right. And we couldn't, being on stage in front of 85,000 people and a billion people worldwide on TV, turn around and say – no, it's not us. It's something's happened because we were in character. So there was kind of a standoff, which uh, in stage years felt like about 450,000 years. You know, it just went on and on. I'm sure if you just saw it, it was about eight and a half seconds before somebody figured out, uh-oh, and and got the amps working. But that was that was a sweat bath like none other. Where time just seems to, to draw out like a blade. Just goes very slowly. And on that note, that brings us to the end of part one of our three-part interview with Harry Shearer. Tomorrow we talk about his work and thoughts uh, regarding The Simpsons. So that is part two of our three-part interview with Harry Shearer. He will focus on The Simpsons tomorrow on The Rick Emerson Show, right here on Rock 101 KUF. Weblog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. Visit The Rick Emerson Show at KUFO.com. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Where's that gay porn that I left in here? This is Rock 101 KUFO. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of The Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Don Taylor from Cinematical, Katie Darrell from TMZ, and part two of our three-part interview with Harry Shearer. Tim Riley, what were today's biggest stories? Well, CIA interrogators waterboarded one prisoner 183 times and two for 266 times. Temperatures will surpass 80 degrees today in the Portland metro area, and there's a fresh monkey bite in Salem. All right. Uh, we want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondents Amanda Moyer and Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today. Uh, also, Jeff Tate and everybody from Queenstrike and uh, Harry Shearer, of course, as well as Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. Rick Emerson Show uh, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. For Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley and the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Niblonians. At the uh, front desk, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. And engineered by Brent Brizzy. Dean, Dean, Dean. Uh, coming up at uh, 9, or quite possibly shortly thereafter. Uh, smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be safe. We will see you all tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, April 20th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Bye.